Seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of August of the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and already contentious studios of AM 970. The talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsicality and verbosity. Uh, if you'd like to join us today, and I know you would, it's 503 uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 70. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, ruminations, ponderings, musings, limericks, haiku, iambic pentameter, what have you. Uh, today, Weird Al Yankovic. I know that I have a tendency to sort of put exciting announcements off to later in the program, so we're going to say that right now. Today, Weird Al. Uh, looks like it's going to be in the 1 o'clock hour. Originally going to be uh, this hour, 1 o'clock, so... Uh, Coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, we will uh, speak telephonically with the one and only Weird Al Yankovic, who really is the very definition of a living God. I mean, if there was a golden statue of Weird Al Yankovic, I would be kneeling before it now, sort of Nebuchadnezzar style. Just so we're all aware. So is he in town now, or is he... He's playing on the uh, Monday. It's going to be uh, playing on Monday the 25th, 
Uh, but he's doing the interview today. So um, we sort of angled to get him in on Monday, and I don't think it's going to happen. So, uh, you know, what are you, you going to do? Any port in the storm. Uh, so coming up in the 1 o'clock hour today, Weird Al Yankovic, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what else we got coming up today? Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us. So I guess the latest, the word... Uh, on the street, and by the street, I mean the websites that I hastily scanned before the show today, is that, so I guess Obama's camp didn't even vet Hillary Clinton, which means she's probably not going to be the VP nominee. On the other hand, there is something to be said for the thought that she's already been more heavily vetted than anybody in history because half the country hates her and has spent about 16 years uh, trying to tear into little tiny Hillary pieces. So who knows? Maybe your vetting would have just been redundant. And I realize now that as I'm saying this, it's just because I'm trying to convince myself that there is still hope that Barack Obama will pick Hillary Clinton, uh, leading to the bloody political strife for which I long. Anyway, uh, so we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins about that uh, DNC uh, campaign coming up next uh, next week, all of that stuff, or the uh, convention coming up next week in Denver. So we'll we'll look forward to that. Uh, top five coming up today. Uh, we really will do it today because Appetite for Deception is playing tomorrow. Um, Tomorrow, there's uh, going to be a Miles Around uh, listener event that's happening all day at Dominic's. Appetite for Deception is going to be the headlining act happening. Along with Tour de Force. Nine o'clock. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yes, Tour de Force is going to be playing. Wait, are you being paid for that? No. At all? No, we're getting nothing. All right. He's just playing for love of music. I know that they do it for the love of for the love of art and chicks. And Can whatnot. I say who Tour de Force is? Let me say this. Because CBS can be CBS legal can be the slightest bit sketchy about such things. Uh, so you're not, but there in no way is there any financial oh, upside. Are getting absolutely nothing. Then I will probably be able to say this. I will say that there will be a band, possibly comprised of many of your favorite CBS Radio Portland employees, uh, that will be rocking the house. Uh, what tomorrow, Dominic's? Yes. Yeah, right around four. Right. All right. Okay. And this is, and I will say this. Oh, wait, is it still called Tour de Force, or is it? I, I thought it was Nibbler Van Nibbler. It was Van Nibbler for a while, named after our bass player Greg Nibbler. But we decided to kind of go in a different direction. So a we new changed direction? a new direction musically. So we, it, along with the new direction, we wanted to change the name. Doesn't it seem like Tour de Force is the name that's almost certainly taken by another band? Yeah, probably. But everybody else liked it, so I just kind of went along with it. Good quality control. All right. So, uh, well, in any event, so we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, the Maserat listener event is happening. We're actually going to talk to Dennis Pitsenbarger uh, later on today about that. So uh, y'all will be there. And then Appetite for Deception closing things out at 9. So because of them and because of our interview with Mark Cantor early on in the week, uh, about which we're still hearing, and that book, The Reckless Road Book, is now circulating within CBS Radio Portland. It's kind of become that thing at the library. Where you go and you put the hold in the book, and it's like, you are 75 out of 75 people waiting for one copy. Uh, so we'll do the top five Guns N' Roses songs you probably don't hear on the radio. That's coming up later on today as well. Aaron Geek in the City Duran will uh, join us. He's going to have a review of... Can't remember. I think Mirrors, maybe? Yes? Mirrors. Does that sound like a film he'll be reviewing? No, Death Race. He's going to be reviewing Death oh, Race. Oh, that looks terrible. Oh, it looks awful. Yeah. The one with the bald guy in it. Aren't they all? I don't know. It's a movie. It's the, it's the remake of the old of the Stallone thing, isn't it? Okay. It wasn't Stallone in the original Death Race. I asked to avoid to a vacuum. Whatever. Aaron's going to be in later on today. He'll be reviewing Death Race. We'll have the latest on the renamed 42nd uh, project, about which I got all cranked up yesterday because somebody told me I don't want to start a whole thing. It, I don't know if this is true, but somebody told us that the folks who are and I always have to say as a preface to this sort of thing, I'm a big fan of, of Cesar Chavez, the guy, I really am. But somebody told me that the folks who are trying to angle to get a street renamed to Cesar Chavez Boulevard or Way or Place or whatever, that they're, not, they're actually working on three concurrent streets. 
Uh, you know, they were working on three streets at the same time, which seems like a bit of dirty pool. But we'll talk to Aaron about that later on. And I guess I haven't seen it, but apparently uh, Coin did some Coin TV did some piece on the renamed 42nd thing where they're trying to get it renamed to Douglas Adams Boulevard. And I guess they just mangled it. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I guess... No, that kind of bums me out. Apparently, they, apparently, it was just a big debacle. So we'll talk to Aaron about that. Uh, what else is coming up today? Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, we have uh, today the Glorious Bastard of the Week. We'll be announcing uh, the Glorious Bastard of the Week. And I do believe uh, one random on-air caller today wins a pair of tickets to the Oregon State Fair. Admission good for any one day, August 22nd through September 1st. With over 9,000 things to see or do, uh, it's too big to miss. Visit OregonStateFair.org. Uh, for more details, one random on-air caller today winning a pair of uh, tickets to the Oregon State Fair, uh, as well as a pair of run-of-engagement passes uh, to the Dark Knight. So that's today. Don't forget, uh, next week, I believe it is, we're going to be giving away uh, The Shield, uh, Complete Season 6. The Shield, Complete Season 6, uh, I think one every day next week. And then after that, uh, it's going to be, in fact, the week that Sarah returns from New York, it's going to be the two-disc anniversary uh, set of The Bodyguard. So that's two weeks from now. All right. What else is coming up today? Well, some other things. I also think... Madness. I can't... Yeah, and I can't swear to this, but I think... You get to make your announcement today, too, right? Oh, we got the Portland Gossip announcement. Oh, that's right. A little piece of Portland, uh, Portland Gossip uh, that I learned on Wednesday. And the person who told me... Good catch, Sarah, because I would have forgotten that. Um, so, a couple big things today. First, Weird, uh, Weird Al in the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, before the bottom of the hour, before this segment is over, I will reveal... Uh, the Portland Gossip. Now, again, I'm going to tell you, this is by a little bit of a the preface here, you may or may not care about I this. I think everyone will You care. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I think... You know I why I, I care. I can't imagine a single person who wouldn't be stoked about this. <sighs> really, come on, it's it's big. That's what I'm saying. There's nobody who doesn't know who that person is. You know why I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, anyway, so we before the bottom of the hour, I will uh, reveal a small uh, piece of Portland Gossip. And... Uh, by small, you mean huge. I'm just saying, it is a thing that I learned on Wednesday, but the person told me that it was a little bit of... It, I'll put it this way. It's a little bit of Portland celebrity gossip. Let's put it that way. So has it already been announced? I don't I don't think so, but the person the person who told me knows it for a certainty, uh, for an absolute fact. So uh, we'll reveal that here in just a few. Uh, in for the vacationing, Tim Riley. Timmy Ryan working on the following stories for your edification on this Friday. All right, first off, lots and lots and lots and lots of plane crashes have happened in the last few days. You're such an ass. Really? Yeah, there's been a ton of plane crashes. You know, you mean like a, a plane that somebody would get on maybe thinking they were going to enjoy their vacation or maybe head off for a week of fun and frivolity. Thank you so much. Only right. to perish uh, in a flaming ball of doom. Thank God I'm not flying Probably this weekend. Probably screaming and asking themselves, why did I get in a plane in the first place? I wish I could take that back. Okay. Just seeing the floorboards come away, fight club why, style. Why did, I, why did I not just take a plane, uh, train or, you know, a bus? Why didn't I just spend the weekend in Lincoln City? I'm sorry, Sarah, were you saying something? No. All right. Uh, what else do we have, Timmy Ryan? All right. Um, a new study shows you can have sex into your 80s. Oh, that's great. And finally, we're getting closer and closer to Obama's VP announcement. All right. Could uh, happen at any time. Well, he's, here's the thing is he's going to be, uh, as we were saying this yesterday, he's really working uh, the media. I mean, like nobody's business. I mean, they, they, I will say this. Whatever the discord or personal strife between Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, one thing is for certain, if you ever watched that Penny Baker documentary, The War Room, which is about the 1992 uh, presidential campaign of Bill Clinton, one thing that everybody sort of acknowledges is that the Clinton 
rapid response team in 1992 really redefined and, and it changed forever the way that political campaigns are run and the way that you can sort of use the media to your advantage and you sort of work with uh, the press. And I've got to tell you that Barack Obama really is doing that flawlessly because he has already announced that he's going to be speaking somewhere on Saturday. I think he's actually even at the venue announced uh, with the VP choice. And yet it's Friday and we still don't know who it is. So everybody just sits and just lathers themselves under some sort of rabid frenzy about it's it. It's either so. going to be Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton. One well, Joe two. Biden already said that he wasn't the guy. Yeah, but, but then Lisa Desjardins says that he, she thinks he's pulling a little bit of political sandbag. Sure is. I, I think it's either Biden or Clinton. Oh, man. Two. How great would that be if it's Hillary Clinton? See, the thing is, I can't even 50, think 50. about it. 50-50. I can't even let myself dream of that, because then if it doesn't happen, it's like I'm, my, just, my exactly. whole weekend's going to be ruined. So I got it. You know what it is? It's like, it's like when a new Star Wars film comes out. You just sort of have to say to yourself, well, it's probably going to suck, but who knows? Maybe the, the bar has to be set so low. I mean, the bar really just has to be sitting on the floor unsupported by Here's anything. Here's the thing. If, if he were to pick Hillary... He's going to win. I mean, there's almost no way that he's going to lose. Well, that's the, I mean, I mean the, right? That's guaranteed. the thing. It's guaranteed. Win, uh, you know, shoot, score, win, or whatever. See, now, this is the thing, and now we're already sidetracked going into the program. We haven't even talked to Sarah today. But I will say this. This is the thing about which uh, my friend Chris Sneedon and I, uh, he writes for a blog, or he, he is a blog. He is a blog called uh, OnTheVig.com, and he's you know, a political observer, really one of the shrewdest people I know in terms of politics, both local, regional, uh, national. But, you know, I've said that to him forever, that... The mathematics are just so strong that you can't not do it. I mean, really, the simple math, the simple numbers uh, that are involved there uh, with a Clinton-Obama ticket are such that it would just guarantee victory. But, you know, but you never know. I mean, politics really, at the, at the, at the, when all is said and done at the bottom of the page, it really is just about ego. Yeah, but if you have the Clinton machine and then you have, you know, the, the DNC behind Barack Obama. Oh, I know. They're unbeatable. You oh, can't beat them. These are all, if only, I mean, look, from your mouth to Obama's ear. Uh, if only they would listen to us, Timmy Ryan. Uh, things would be running a lot smoother right now. Not that I even like, you know, either candidate. I don't care. I don't care. I'm totally independent. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, it really doesn't. It, it, as as Jello Biafra once said, if voting actually changed anything, it would be illegal. It as really a is. Man, I have to be objective too. I will see. I'm only objective because of you, because your vote doesn't matter. So <laughs> I will say that it, for me, it's just all one big spectator blood sport. Uh, but but you re, I think the bottom line is that if you're going to run for president, you really have to be able to look into the mirror. And say to yourself, by God, I ought to be the most important man in all of human civilization. And there's really a fair amount of ego involved in that kind of thing. And they just had such a bruising primary season that Obama might just tell her to just to get bent just, you know, just to do it. So, who knows? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out later on. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Uh, Jock Watch coming up today, I think. Oh, and I got a fantastic... Uh, I got a, here's a phrase you just don't hear at all. I have a great thing from the Oregonian. We'll get to that in uh, just a second. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you today? Hi! You're looking very nautical. Thanks, this is my, my plane flying outfit. You do look, you know, you kind of look like you're sort of a 1960s stewardess right now. You're, is I've that been a, laid uh, out for like a week. I, I, I'm such a freak when it comes to packing. I'll, like, I'll leave all my clothes around and I'll throw all my clothes into a big pile and it's like a week-long process for me. They'll throw everything they want to bring and then I'll take out random clothes throughout the week and then eventually, like this morning, I got up and I put all of it into a bag and put on my little flight outfit. So is this a dress you're wearing? I can't really yeah, see. Yeah, it's a dress. I always travel in dresses. It's more comfortable. This is fireproof? Timmy Ryan. <laughs> Seriously, do you at least have some sort of tag stitched in for your next of kin? <laughs> this this set of teeth belongs to. 
the Dillon family. Um, you can buy a parachute, you know, online. You know, Timmy and I are really a bad combination in this sort of thing. Uh, but you're wearing a, this is for people who care, uh, if you're playing the uh, Sarah Dillon home fashion game, Sarah's wearing a white dress with a blue polka dot and anchor pattern on it today, as well as a black and white uh, kerchief, scarf, whatever that thing is called. So, In case of emergency, put your head between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye. Nah, that's one joke too many. Uh, anyway, so you look fantastic. Thanks. I'm sure you're going to look great so stepping off the plane into New York. So excited. What yeah, time I'm are you getting in? I'm getting there at 8 a.m. 8 a.m.? Wait, uh -huh. so you're flying all night? Uh-huh. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm going to uh, go out for some cocktails with my friends tonight, then get on the plane and hopefully arrive all What fresh. airport are you going to? you going to LaGuardia or JFK? JFK? See, and then... Uh, I don't know what the... I guess if the sun's going to be up by then. I, I don't know when the sun rises right now. But there's that cool thing. If you've ever driven into New York at night or when the sun is down, you get that whole cityscape in oh, front yeah. of you. I mean, it really is just... I mean, I don't be you know another guy going about look at the big buildings, but there really is something about they driving really into New York <laughs> when it's dark. I mean, that that horizon, that that skyline is really like nothing else you'll ever see. It really is fantastic. And I'm envious. I'm, I'm all so excited. We already have like our whole day planned out for tomorrow. I'm gonna try and power through, and then we're gonna go see the Pierces tomorrow night at this um, little bar um, in the East Village. And I'm like so excited. Fantastic. It's always cool not to sit and drone on about like New York stuff because nobody's gonna be going but you. What the hell was that? Is that your computer Are you on MySpace or something? Nah, I don't know what I was on. I'm just kind of right. clicking around to various websites. Don't, don't do whatever you're doing. Are you on Match.com again? Honey? No. Um, I don't even remember what I was going to say, but I will say that it's always cool if you're going to, when you're on vacation, if you can kind of uh, swing it to see like a cool show while you're in town. Mm. I mean, that's always, that. it's like when Laura and I went to, uh, we went to San Francisco uh, a couple years ago for Christmas, and uh, and while we were there, there was this great interfaith gospel choir that was doing a whole Christmas Eve show, and I'm kind of a sucker for really well-done gospel music, and so we hadn't really planned on it, but it just sort of happened while we were there, so we're you know going around San Francisco, we're doing the thing, we're eating, and we're going to Alcatraz and all that stuff, and then on Christmas Eve, we stopped by this church. Uh, and we walked in. There was like two hours of Christmas gospel music. It was just oh, that's cool. That, uh, we hadn't. It was just sort of an ad hoc thing we did, and it's just you know, this is the icing on the cake. So. There's like a, plus there are like all these free concerts in the park. Uh, Yola Tango's playing on Sunday, so Heather and I are going to go check them out. And then um, this week, I guess they have this thing where they show free movies um, up against the broad, uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. Like they they project the movies and so underneath. Be, like if you're underneath. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so you can bring like wine and beer and everything, and they're going to be showing The Shining this week. That's cool. And we'll that's get to sit in the park drinking wine, watching The Shining on the Brooklyn Bridge. And under the bridge, that's right by Grimaldi's Pizza. Yeah. So, uh, all right. I went there last time. Was the yeah, and you didn't have to, you didn't have to, oh, we have to quit talking about it. Okay. Otherwise, we're just going to sit and talk yeah, about New York, and then I'm going to have to go home and just sit in Southeast Portland all weekend. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so Weird Al coming up later on today. We'll do some Portland gossip here in just a minute. Uh, let's see. Uh, just a couple brief notes uh, from last night. First of all, I saw something last night that I'd never seen before. Uh, I saw somebody get 86 from a bar, which I've never witnessed. I never, because, you know, I don't spend a lot of time in bars, and typically, you know, it's just not a thing that happens all the time. And if it does, it happens right around last call or closing, uh, by which, you know, time. kicked out or say, like, do not come back here again? Uh, no, well, she used the phrase 86, like, you, you may never return. Uh, it was at my father's place, which is typically a pretty well-behaved. You don't see a lot of ruckus at that place. Uh, maybe I just go wandering around there. Maybe I just go, and it was a woman too. Uh, you know, typically it's just some guy. You know, like you'll go to a bar and there'll be some guy there, and he's angry because he just lost like the rent at pool or something, or they won't serve him again because he's already vomited three times into the corner. But it was some woman, and I walk in just as, and it was a female, it was a barmaid behind the counter. I walk in just as she was doing this, she actually took her fist and she slammed it down on the bar, and she said, "God damn it, I'm telling you to leave." 
I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. So I just sidled right into the booth, watched the whole thing unfold. And she had done was everything. Was it a transient woman or just a really drunk No, woman? it was just some, uh, just some skis who, uh, who wouldn't shut up and wouldn't follow the rules, and they would, she wouldn't leave. And, and the barmaid actually said, like, you, I am 86, and you are never to return. Be gone from this place forevermore, bar skank. Uh, and she turned around, and she had actually picked up the phone and had dialed, like, 911, you know, and was about to, like, ring the man. Uh, when the woman's boyfriend came in off the street, and I get the feeling, I don't know this for sure, but I get the feeling that the boyfriend had been there with the woman and had either gotten sick of her crap or thought they were leaving, and the boyfriend had, like, gone out and sat in the car. And I don't think the boyfriend was aware of what was happening. So the boyfriend is sitting outside. The girl, had, you know, he's like, his girlfriend hasn't reappeared. So the boyfriend walks into the bar and realizes what is happening and sees his girlfriend being, like, 86 from the bar and uh, and had to do almost like the caveman dragging her out by her hair thing. Jeez. So it was pretty satisfying. It was a good way to start the evening. Uh, so that last night, let's see, what else? Um, oh, and then this morning, given our whole discussion of styptic pencils the other day and the magic of same... So it is perhaps appropriate that I just cut the holy hell out of my face uh, shaving this morning, which I typically don't do. I get like a little nick or something going on now and again. But you got that, there's that little, uh, that little crease between your lower lip and your chin. Mm-hmm. You know that little right there? And so I'm shaving this morning and I'm busy thinking about some stuff. I'm like, oh, i got to talk to Weird Al today. Obama running maintenance, top five. You know, and it's that, and there is some, there is a particular kind of pain that comes with cutting yourself shaving. And I hate to be gross about this, but let's talk about cuts for just a moment. The, there's oh, I have that, a great cut right here. Is it on your leg? Is it from shaving? Yeah, oh, that's, that's from the from, soapbox derby. Yeah, and it's turned into like this gnarly scab. It's really big. See, a gnarly scab, in, like you, there's a cool place, there's some places where you can get a scab and you look at that, look at how righteous I am. Check out, check out my badass like, self. It's like right in the space between my boots and my leggings. It's like my big gross scrape. That looks like more it's, like it's festering than it's a scab. Like you should maybe get that checked out. That doesn't out. look festering. No, it doesn't. That looks to be a relatively it clean kind of scab. Oozing. It doesn't look oozing. You're just trying to cause bit. trouble. No, that looks like it's kind of oozing. Don't speak untruths here on the just, just stick to instilling fear about flying. Yeah. Anyway, so my point is that there's certain places you can get an injury where you look like a badass, like on your forearm, you know, or if you get like scabbed up knuckles, you can be like, well, I had to drop a guy. He was giving me some guff. I had to, uh, I had to let him know who was boss. But you know, but I have this thing where I'll do like the shaving injury in just a really awkward place. Here's a thing I did one time. This is a true story, and then I'll talk about the styptic pencil. Then we'll take these calls. Then we'll do Portland gossip. Then we'll break. Here's the thing I did one time. I was shaving, you know, just like with the regular, uh, you know, the, the regular Gillette or whatever. I shaved off the very tip of my nose. And let me tell you, How that's... How do you even do that? What is the razor doing in your nose? <laughs> what are you doing? What's going on? It's... I... Uh, I had, in a retrospect... It's like trying to cut the tip off his finger. Yeah, that's no good. Cutting the tip off of anything is bad. Uh, cutting the side of something is okay. Cutting the tip of anything, that's no good. Uh, it was many years ago, but I basically was shaving. And I have the razor in my right hand, and I had, like... I don't know, like like a, like an itch or something on like my cheek or whatever, you know, like a, like a, like maybe a hair was there or something, like a sort of you know, like you gotta brush it away. And so, like an idiot, what hand do I use to scratch my face? Do I use the hand that's free, that's not holding a big thing of blades? No, oh. I go to scratch, like to brush the eyelash or whatever away. But I use the hand holding the razor. And of course, I don't have my glasses on. It's in the morning, and I haven't had any coffee. So I go to brush the, the eyelash or whatever off of my cheek, and then I bring the hand back down, and I miscalculate, and the uh, razor grazes the tip of my nose, shaves the tip of my nose right off. Okay. And it was right before I was going, and I was going somewhere. I was like going, 
out or I was going to a show or I was going to I was going somewhere where I wanted to look decent. And then of course the tip of your nose is just bleeding and then scabbed up for like two weeks. So that's no good. And I mean, and, how, and then everybody goes, "What's wrong with your nose?" And then you either have to make up a story like you were attacked by a wolverine, or you got to go, "Yeah, I shaved off the end of my nose." Anyway, so I there's no really like normal explanation for that. And then to see how long the explanation was even now. So this morning, so I give myself a big cut. And I realized, after all of our discussion, I don't even have a styptic pencil. I never bothered to buy one. And it's that kind of, I don't know what it is about cutting your face where it just bleeds. It's like God's own spigot has been turned on. I, you know, it's like, I think everybody is sort of a hemophiliac from the neck up. Because you will cut yourself shaving. And it's like, you just sit there and it's like you didn't even know there was that much blood in your face. And it's just, and you're like, come on. And you're dabbing the, the whatever, the, the Kleenex or the toilet paper or whatever on it. You just look like a tool. And so finally, I put like a big-ass Band-Aid on my chin, so that may look like a knob. Thank you for not coming to work with us. Well, because you can't look like a, you know, you look like a, like a goof. So I, so then and I... And the question will be circulating around the office, what's under the Band-Aid? Seriously. I have uh, a uh, suggestion for your shaving. Well, let me just finish the story. Uh, so then I get in the car, I drive to Rite Aid or Walgreens. I can never tell them apart. I walk in, and then I'm, you know, I have a Band-Aid, and this is so gross, but it's bleeding so much, it's doing that thing of like, you can see, like it's bleeding through the Band-Aid. You know, it's just so horrible. And so I walk, and I find, and there, bathed in a golden glow, the styptic pencil. I said, oh, thank God. Uh, and so I, you know, I get there, standing at the counter, bleeding, you know, just, I need to buy this. Do you take, just, I don't even need change. God, is this story almost over? Yeah, anyway, so I get in the car, and I take, and of course, the great thing about the styptic pencil is it works. The bad thing is it hurts like a bastard. It so I'm like, Aah! it's like you're cauterizing it. Uh, anyway, so there you go, the end. But it, I'm just saying, w- without our discussion of the other day of the styptic pencil, it never would occur to me, and I'd be here with a big bandage on my face, looking like I was covered in some kind of tumor. So, there you go. What is your suggestion to me, Ryan? All right, first off, what kind of razor are you using? Uh, I use the Gillette Mach 3. Okay, good choice. How, uh, how new is the blade the on? The blade, uh, the good news, bad news is the blade was, it was, I just put it in last night, so it's like razor sharp. Right. So, what you need to do, well, what kind of shaving cream do you use? Uh, I typically you use, that fancy use one that we bought? I typically use Art of Shaving with a brush, uh, yeah. but I but I'm actually out of that, so I'm using like the, okay. The, look the at my bad, face today. Trashy. Just shaved today. Yeah. Not a not a nick, not a cut on me. It's pretty smooth. Only took once around. You have one of those Homer Simpson like builds in five o'clock shadow. Seriously, no, it no. looks like you haven't shaved in a day. Hold on here. But here's the deal. Uh-huh. Uh, here's how to uh, how to make your shaving complete. Uh-huh. Use Jurgens hand lotion instead of shaving cream because. It totally protects against the nicks and the cuts, and it makes your face all smooth, and it enriches everything all at once. I've never had a nick or a cut you know, shaving t- with uh, Jurgen's hand lotion. You, know, you Tim, need to try it. Tim Riley was saying Tim, Tim revealed that he had actually never in his life cut himself shaving. Not once, ever. All right, well, maybe I'll try that. But Jurgen's uh, hand lotion has many purposes, including shaving. Thank you so much. I knew that was coming. Uh, seriously, that was like a countdown I to a joke. I was waiting for that. All right, uh, we'll get to calls in just uh, in just one second. Remind me in in a, in a little while to talk about the best thing I have ever seen in the Oregonian, and I'm holding it right here in my hand. And here's the thing, you know it's good because if you go to the Oregonian website, they've removed it. But I have the actual paper copy oh. in my hand, and I have to thank my wife for this. Best wife ever. Wife. Uh, Laura came home and she's like, "Have you seen the Oregonian?" I said, "No." She goes, "I got to show you the best thing ever." Uh, and it's so great that the Oregonian took it down because it's great and terrible. So I have it right here. We'll uh, we'll get to that here in just a few. Is it like the like the was the movie screw? Um, sort of, timeline? sort of. It's kind of like that. It's a thing that I don't think they really uh, checked. I don't think they really proofread their own paper. 
before they put it out. Maybe they fired that department. Uh, so it's a great thing. Let's get these calls. Then it'll be uh, PDX gossip. Uh, then we'll break. Then Lisa Desjardins. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. First call of the day. Setting the tone. Speak. Hello. Hi. How you doing today? Hi. Um, Hi. How can I help you? Well, uh, my daughter's car was stolen last night, and uh, the police told her there was nothing they could do about it, that they weren't going to look for it. And so I thought, what better way? Did the police actually, hold on, did the police actually use the phrase, we're not going to look for it? Yes. That seems odd. I've had, let me, I'm just, I'm not saying that you're not telling me the truth, but as somebody who's had a car stolen three different times, the cops at least lie to you and say that they're going to do their best. No, they told her that uh, they don't look for stolen cars. That, I mean, you know, if the guys are driving around and they happen to see it, yeah, then they'll do something. Yes. But right. they're not going to go out and look for it. And it's like the fourth car stolen in this area. And she's a single mother. What area do you live in? Um, she lives in Vancouver, Washington. Well, there's your um, problem. All right. So, I, uh, uh, so what is it? How, how is it I can help you? Well, I was wondering if you could put her license plate on the air so well, that if someone's seen it, that they could call and report it. Well, do me do me a favor. Um, email me the information uh, right now or during today's show, uh, and we'll do have, it. I don't have email. All right. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to have you give the information to Richie, uh, and then we will do that uh, later in the program. So, Richie, can you talk to uh, Debbie, I guess her name is? All right. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's CJ. Hello, sir. Um, I, you know how a couple days, either yesterday or the day before, you were talking about, like, an attraction based on waterboarding? Yes, sir. Well, Sarah might be interested to know that there is such an attraction at Coney Island. A waterboarding? Are you making this up? No, I'm not. I heard it on NPR, like, the day, yesterday or the day before. When you say um, an attraction based on waterboarding, what do you mean? Uh, the way I heard it on NPR was, uh, it's like this guy created a mechanical dummy that is all dressed up, and you put in a, a dollar into the machine, and they pour water on it, and the dummy rise like a real, like supposedly how a real waterboard. It'd be like that, yeah. We'll totally go to that. I'm planning to go to Coney Island next Saturday. Get your picture taken with the waterboarding okay, thing. Okay, we'll do. All right, excellent. Thank uh, you for the heads up. All right. Thank you. And Richie's letting me borrow right. his camcorder while I'm there, too, so I'll, I'll get lots of video footage. Full on, like Cloverfield footage. Uh, all right, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. What's up? Uh, on the whole uh, shaving tip, weren't you at one point uh, trying to grow a beard? Yeah, we were going yeah, to do that before the. We were going to do it before the listener party, but then uh, I didn't want to say this at the time. But Joni DeRoshi emailed me like she screamed via email, "We have to film the intro video, you jerk!" And it's got to have continuity. Don't get a beard. And I couldn't say that on the air because I didn't want to reveal the, what the video we were doing. But I couldn't do it before the party because it had to be. I had to have continuity between how we looked in the intro video and how we looked when we came out on stage. But uh, maybe now is the time to do that. Ah, uh, so so with the beard, you you gave it up. You let it down. You ran around and deserted it. Hang up now. Thank you. All right, do we have to break? Yes. We break, we come back. Uh, we will reveal the Portland celebrity gossip to which I am privy. Good and Lisa Desjardins. Stay there, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming by. It is uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 
Coming up later on in the program, uh, we will be speaking to the one and only Weird Al Yankovic, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Aaron Geek in the city, Duran joining us as well. Uh, the top five and so forth. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the hills. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hey, how are you doing, Rick? I am fantastic. You are. You are always fantastic. I'm a little... Uh, in general, or you say it anyway, so that's well, nice. Or I'm a convincing liar. I, yeah, I'm a little... Yeah. I'm actually a little parched, so we're going to take one oh. moment while I have a swallow of refreshing water. All right. All right, there we ah. go. It's, uh, there's some sort of weird... <laughs> I've come to the conclusion, you know how sometimes you'll hear in movies like, well, that place is built on an Indian burial ground. Yeah, I think right. I think really this studio is just built on some sort of uh, Indian dust thing or whatever. There's just, oh, whoa. I, oh, like, that what was that? Oh, that's, that I don't me? know. I'm not even touching it. You're... I'm not touching anything. What is that? I oh, know you're not touching it, but it's your computer. Yeah. Uh, my computer was oh, making okay. a weird, uh, what Tim Riley would call the weird plonking sound. You, you know what? You anchored whatever it is that's plaguing our students. Right, angered... right. Just as you make the poltergeist reference. Yeah, there I, it is. I angered the great spirit god. No, but I think we, I think we're built on some some ancient dust factory of some kind because I have to tell you, we can not the. Oh, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. I'm not that touching anything. <laughs> and Timmy Ryan's computer is down. I'm not oh, touching God. anything. Now, see, the next thing you know, now you're going to vanish into a television, <laughs> and then I'm going to end up covered in blood, and there's going to be an old guy at the door saying, let me in. <laughs> I am suddenly in pigtails. The The only point I was going to make is that uh, is that we clean the studio, and by we, I mean I. I mean, I clean the studio every every now and again, way more than your typical radio studio is cleaned anyway. Uh, I come in, and I sort of declutter it to whatever extent that's possible, and then I bring in my Roomba, which is really an exceptional vacuum cleaner, despite, you know, it's also nifty, but despite it sort of being marketed as, as, a, as, a, as a gadget or a gimmick or a novelty, the Roomba really does a great job of cleaning. So... Uh, like every maybe two weeks, I'll bring the room in. <laughs> takes like two hours, cleans the studio, beeps happily when done. Uh, but the amount of dust in the studio never seems to diminish and, in fact, only seems to increase to the extent that uh, probably three, four, five times a week, Tim Riley will sit sort of to my right uh, preparing the news, and he will, like Hunter Thompson in the beginning of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, just look up and wave his arms frantically as though there are large invisible bats flying above him. And he'll just say, "Well, there's all this dust in the air, and so there's, uh, I don't know, it's uh, there's some sort of uh, some sort of like weird pollination in the studio that kind of renders your voice weird once you walk in the door." I, I hardly know what to say. That was way more than you wanted to know, but I'm just saying that's why I had to have some water just now. But you know, <laughs> it's really intense. But we, you know, but we got a good pigtails reference out of it, so yeah, you know, you so go. it's exactly. not a complete wash. Um, all right, I don't even I don't even know where to start with this. So so you, Obama you, yeah. is still scheduled to make an appearance tomorrow with yes. with the VP, whoever that's going to be. You know, here's the thing: is he the Obama campaign has not confirmed to CNN yet that the vice presidential nominee will be there with him. But you know, it's it's pretty much assumed, and I think the CBS has reported that 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 is the case. So it it looks pretty solid. Springfield, Illinois, where he started his presidential race, seems almost certain that this is where he's going to have his vice president be. But within, what, what I am fascinated by here is the fact that Obama has made his decision. We know that. We still don't know if he has told his selection. We know he has told many people, and someone's calling me, we, we know he has told many people who are not the guy or woman. Uh, he's made calls to people who he did not select. And what's phenomenal is that even though we know he started making those calls last night, Nothing has leaked. No, no one has said, yep, I got the thumbs down. No one has said, I'm getting the thumbs up. Somehow the Obama campaign is managing to keep this a very tight secret. 
uh, despite the entire world wanting to know. It's 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 pretty impressive. It, I think it means to me that very few people actually know the situation. Uh, but it's a, it's a sign that they can they're controlling their camp. They're they're disciplined. The latest name is a uh, Texas Congressman Chet Edwards. Uh, that Rush Limbaugh is actually going out and saying he thinks it'll be Chet Edwards. He's a conservative to moderate Democrat, uh, you know, and certainly it's got some regional kind of uh, puzzle piece action going on with Barack Obama, the African-American from Chicago, with sort of a white guy from Texas. Uh, you know, but who knows? Chet Edwards is now confirming that he, he has been vetted, that he's been under consideration, but he's not saying anything more. So, you know, you've got to think it's coming any time now, but... Somehow they've kept a lid on it. Well, I got two things. One, yeah. it's hard to imagine anybody uh, with the possibility to become president with the name of Chet. <laughs> president Chet doesn't really uh, doesn't really roll off the tongue all that naturally. But what do I know? Can we? Uh, do you want to have a Chet off? Can you give me any other Chets? Uh, Chet Akins. Chet Baker. Chet. I think that may be it. Anybody? A Chet? Anybody else? Hello. Who's the Chet from Weird Science? Oh, yeah, uh, Bill Paxton oh. as Chet from Weird Science. Good one. Oh, Good poll. That is Chris Sarah. That's actually the bad. Yeah, seriously, you've just won the Internet. Well done. Uh, <laughs> all right, so blah, 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 President Chet, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, <laughs> President Chet. Well, you know, it, it definitely, you've got Barack Obama, you know, African name, and then you've got Chet. Yeah, but Barack, o, Barack Obama's a great name, though. I mean, It just, is a great name. We've already talked about how babies love Barack Obama's name. Yeah, uh, but but I mean, linguistically speaking, yeah. it's just it's just it's got the hard K and it's a Barack, yeah. uh, and it is very close to the name of a fighter in Mortal Kombat. So he's got that <laughs> going for him. Um, you know, it's just it's pretty great, and you know, and he's only one syllable off uh, from being Brack, who I think was the guy, <laughs> I think might have been the band leader on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. So I mean, it's like he's got all the bases covered. Uh, well, all right. What it, was it, your, your second point, though? You had two points. I had, uh, it was that last night, and I can't remember his name, but last night there was, and I meant to write it down, last night there was a guy who was saying he had apparently, there was a guy who had apparently told his aides that he believed himself to, quote, be on the short list. And, I, and I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, but but it, it's interesting that you just sort of see people starting to tell people, like, look, I think I'm on the list. And the guy apparently had used the phrase, I think I may pull the short straw on this one. And so, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of people who are... Uh -huh. Here's a question. When he finally makes the decision, does he just call the winner, basically, and everybody else just figures out from the news that they've lost? Or does he call the people who were on the short list to go like, look, I considered you, but, it, it, you're, you know, it's not you? See, we have been told that he has already started calling... The losers, <laughs> essentially. I hate putting it like that, but he has. He's already started calling. That's an awkward the, phone the call. The people who he didn't select. Yeah, that's got to be tough though, because you see the caller ID, you know, and you're like, B Obama. <gasps> yeah, seriously, <laughs> honey, do we know a B Obama? Oh my God! And then you pick it up and, hello, this is Barack Obama. I'm calling to tell you something very important. And you know, the guy's like, oh, this is it. But I am in. He's already in his head measuring for drapes. So I would like to tell you that you have. Not been chosen. Goodbye. Don't. And you know, and everyone is paying so much attention to this right now. Of course, this is an ideal situation for Obama. This is the kind of attention they want. But everyone is just watching every single blip on the radar. Right. That you have to imagine some people who are in the running, or even kind of faintly hoped that they're in the running. At this point, I have a feeling that people who have not gotten any phone call, they are the ones who are the most hopeful. Like, well, he didn't call me yet. He hasn't said no. He hasn't said no. Mm. Maybe. Maybe well, it's me. It seems like there's some. You kind of just turned into a mouse. Just I there. did. I don't know what happened. You I were like know. all turned into Feigl. <laughs> you should. 
Yeah, say this. Was, say, was, uh, say there are no cats in America and the streets are paved with cheese. <laughs> I was in a very strange, also clenched up position when I said that. I don't know what happened exactly. Have you had a lot of sleep recently? No. no, no I didn't think so. You seem a little crazy. No I'm offense. So, and this is bad because actually I'm going to get a lot less sleep starting tomorrow. So it's not a good situation. Uh, and then I know now, can we can we uh, say this, that next week you're going to be um, sadly not, not really uh, for us, uh, but you're going to be doing it yet, but some expanded reporting next week. Can we say that? It's true. It's true. We're going to be doing... I'll be doing more. I'll be reporting morning drive essentially. So I'll be at the convention reporting from um, West Coast time. I'll be reporting from uh, I don't know. I think uh, three in the morning until uh, uh, two and one in the afternoon. So West be- Coast time. So beca- like because it is Friday, I should ask you. So I, and I don't really know the answer to this. Uh, does does this mean now? Are we going to be uh, able to speak with you next week, or is are you going to be sort of unavailable as, to us? No, you know? we have to find a way. I won't. We have to make sure that we we won't have to. Yeah. If 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 the powers that be at CNN tell you that they, it's not going to happen, then you and I and Sarah will email and we will figure it out. All right. Uh, that's uh, that's we the right answer, way. Lisa. All right. Duly noted. So um, well, so have a great weekend. Big plans because okay. you're head, heading down there probably tomorrow, right? Yeah, I head, I head down there tomorrow morning. And that, I guess that's probably the thing that you were talking to now that I'm catching up. I really do need to get some more sleep because um, I've been cramming. It's like the week before finals. Yeah. Uh, but that we're going to have a simulcast CNN radio show uh, from, uh, geez, I can't do math for some reason right now, from 10 a.m. your time to one to noon your time on CNN.com. So I've got to get the It's all very exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting. All right, well, well uh, Sarah and I will find a way. We'll find a way to talk yeah, next week at some we'll point. And uh, while you're, have you been to the Denver airport before? I have. Long, yeah, the, the the caravan. Have you seen the creepy, uh, the creepy, uh, uh, what is that thing called? The creepy uh, montage or what, Sarah, what is that thing called? Mosaic? What was montage. that thing? What was that, the painting? That <laughs> I big. I don't know. Yeah, it's a painting. It's like a mural. A mural. The big, yeah. that's the word I was looking for. The big mural there with the creepy, the, the baby in a casket and a Nazi. Really? And, do you know I what I'm talking about? This. No. There is, I didn't even know it was there because I'd never been there. But we had a listener who was going to Denver and he called him and he's like, hey, I'm going to be stuck in Denver for a couple hours. What should I do? And we had some people who were like, hey, when you go to the Denver airport, check out this insane mural that is there. And we went online and we looked up some photos of it. There is... Like Nazis and babies and it's coffins. It's crazy. And... There is, really? It's this huge mural in the Denver airport. And we're not exaggerating. Literally, part of the mural is like a baby in a coffin, which is horrible. But it's part of it. And part of it is there's like a Nazi at one point. I think there's some nuns, like on a broom or something. Oh, it's my just, goodness. It's insane. So wow. when you get the chance, okay. go... I mean, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. Say, hey, where's that crazy mural? They'll point you in that direction. So, okay, All right. right uh, travel safe. We will talk to you very soon. Have a good week, Okay, Lisa. great. Thanks, there guys. There you go. Bye. Lisa Desjardins, who's a little bit kooky, a little bit rock and roll today. I love it when she's kooky. You can t- well, you can tell because it's equal parts. Well, it's giddiness I, and excitement, you can tell, and then lack of sleep. And that, that's the thing, and we can recognize that because we go through those stages here in the show uh, where it is, yeah, it is equal parts fatigue, exhaustion, excitement, anticipation, dread, fear, perhaps a little bit of drunkenness. So uh, it's all kind of mixed up into a fantastic thing, and she's wearing pigtails, I guess. So there you go. All right. So you haven't made the announcement. I haven't made the announcement. Should I make the announcement now? <gasps> yes. All right. So this will... And I'm telling you in advance, Timmy Ryan, I will tolerate no crude remarks about this. I never make crude remarks. Your microphone is on. If you had that microphone, you could control it. I never make crude remarks. Sarah, are you a witness here that I am telling Timmy Ryan? Well, I have control of his mic button, so. I'm telling Timmy Ryan. Can I put something in my mouth just in case? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Why are you laughing? Well, you'll find out. Uh, (laughs) 
That's going to count as your crude remark. You're not to comment anymore. Uh, so should you make Timmy Ryan guess? No, no, that goes badly. Uh, that goes badly, and I might as well just say it. So, uh, so I was told this on Wednesday, and the person said, "Look, uh, you can't, you can't say anything till Friday. You got to wait till Friday." And I said, "Okay." And also, the person said, "Like you, I, this person said you may, you may not identify in any way where you got this information." Uh, so. I will say this, and then, you know, it, as I say, your, your mileage may vary. You may care about this. You may not. I don't know. I care about it for reasons that will become immediately clear. So uh, we can now reveal, all oh, very exciting, uh, in the very tradition of... Very exciting in Ricktown. Because there's a whole bunch of, you know, uh, folks that are on some level of the fame scale who have moved here, correct? Yeah. Uh, can we say uh, the thing about the... Uh, the uh, so Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance moved here or is moving here? Yeah, and um, the Shins guy lives so here. So many people live here. I, I, you all, know, all of Modest Mouse lives here. Uh, yeah, Modest Mouse lives here. I know exactly. I actually know exactly. I, Johnny I Marr say, lives here. Johnny Marr lives here, which is badass. Mm -hmm. I know. I actually know the house the Shins guy moved to oh. uh, because he moved right next door to somebody that I know. Art Alexakis lives here. Ooh. Ooh. Some blonde guy. Um, so you know, blah blah blah. Anthony Kiedis' dad lives here. Da 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 da. So whatever. Um, but so I am very excited to uh, to reveal that you know a uh, a couple weeks ago we had a sighting in Portland. Somebody emailed in. And they're like, hey, dude, five minutes ago I just walked by Monica Lewinsky, and so the word on the street about which I'm very excited is that Monica Lewinsky has moved here and now lives here because she's working at White and Kennedy. So there you go. That's so cool. If you're Rick Emerson, it's a good day. She's one step closer to being on the show, Rick. You know, and you know I have a special fondness for her. So uh, I always have, always will. Well, she's the woman who took down the White House. She's amazing. I'm just saying, and she's hot, really. That's really just the bottom line I think for she's me. hot. I really do. Tim, you're not allowed to say anything. You have been barred. I have all kinds of things going through my mind. You know right what? Now. Be that as it may, they're going to stay there. You're not going to sully my Monica with any of your crude observations. So I'm just going to say... Uh, there you the go. I'm not even going to let that hit the air. I'm going to bleep that. You are barred from making further comments. Microphone. There is a restraining order on further comments. Anyway. Until the news hour, because you are a newsman. It is true that Monica is quite fond of me, and that that is uh, that goes both ways. So uh, in any event, so Monica Lewinsky apparently now living here because she's working at White and Kennedy. Cool. Uh, and I and I will say, you know, the, you know, the people can say whatever you, the, the, you know, whatever comes to mind. Blah 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 blah. But. Um, but, uh, well, uh, we'll talk more about it later. Can I but say anyway. one thing? No. No, no you can't. You can say this. You can say, coming up next, the new news hour with Timmy Ryan. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. I guess you could say that my love life was not up to par. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right, coming up later on today, we will talk to Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, Aaron Duran going to be in the studio as well. Uh, he will be coming with a review of Death Race, one of the top five Guns N' Roses songs you won't hear on the radio. Uh, we'll talk to our friend Dennis Pitsenbarger. We'll do a New York City Instapoll for Sarah. This, however, at the Ministry of Truth, in for the vacationing Tim Riley, is Timmy Ryan. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, 
This is Tim Riley. Man, I don't know what's going on. There's just been a lot of plane crashes the last few days. Just don't know what's up with that. It's horrible. Let's start off with the leading plane crash story. Three dead after a hand-built plane crashed into a Vegas Valley home. The crash of an experimental plane in the Las Vegas Valley has left a pilot and two others dead. Deputy Chief Kevin Brame with the North Las Vegas Fire Department says it happened just before 6.30 this morning when the pilot of the home-built Velocity 17-3RG crashed into a residential home near the city's airport. Uh, that's me. One second. Two of the fatalities were in the home. One of the fatalities was the pilot of the aircraft. Wait, so let me, let me understand this here. So this is... Uh, I ask as though you have the answer to this, and that was my plonking sound just there. I'm loading uh, the other news cuts. And done. All right. So, so an experimental aircraft crashed into a house, killing the people inside the house and himself. And so, but when you say it's an experimental aircraft... I guess I don't really even know. I guess there's probably some technical definition of that. I wonder, does that mean that it was built according to some kind of existing specs, but it was just sort of like a you know, like you get the kit and you build you know, like you tab A into slot B, or is that a thing where a guy just sits in his basement and goes, I wonder if I can make me a flying thing? Uh, I think that's what it was because I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it's illegal. To, to build a plane as long as you have, you know, the license to do so to fly it. I think as long as you get the license, then it probably has to meet safety specifications. Yeah, but they have to come out and they have to check it out. I think, you know, somebody from the FAA, FAA has to come and check it out. Um, but I think experimental airplane are airplanes that you, you basically build yourself. Because you, there's always that thing, you know, like you see in popular mechanics where it's like how to build an airplane out of tin cans and string and Kleenex and whatever. So it seems like maybe you might, this is just my observation, it seems like maybe you might pick a non-residential neighborhood in which to try out the airplane that you built, like, in your backyard out of scrap metal. But, you know, call me crazy. Yes. All right. Uh, continue on. Brame says the pilot had just taken off from the North Las Vegas airport and radioed that he was unable to gain altitude. The plane went down into the rear of the one-story home, sparking an intense fire that ignited the rear of the house. The fire was quickly put out and did not spread to the neighboring homes. According to the FAA, the Velocity plane is a single-engine model with its propeller in the rear of the aircraft. So, that, all right. That uh, sucks. I, it's also interesting the use of uh, the sort of use of lexicon there when he says, uh, "I'm unable to gain altitude." I think that's uh, I think that's just code for "I'm falling out of the sky." You know, but maybe I don't know who. Maybe I'm misreading that. Here's Timmy Ryan. Okay, uh, another plane crash story that just came across the wire. Two men are hospitalized after the crash of a small plane. On a Central Texas baseball diamond, authorities say the single-engine Cessna was flying from Sugarland to Waco when the 39-year-old pilot, Cole Reed of Georgetown, experienced engine problems. He tried to make an emergency landing at the Caldwell Airport, but the plane struck a light pole at the nearby baseball field and crashed, landed into the infield about 6 p.m. on Wednesday. So there you go. Another, right. another one. We'll hold it to what? We'll hold it to two. That's it? Yes. Yes, you want to talk about the big one in Madrid that killed no. like 140? No, we don't. We're going to move on. Oh, okay. Because I also have tips how to survive a plane wreck here, too. Just, just if, if you find yourself in a plane that's going down, whether it be experimental or perhaps a, a large plane. That is mighty Christian, but we're going to move on. Okay. I was just trying to, you know, public, public service announcement. Okay. I just got the glare. That's okay. I just, I, I'm crazy. Here's, here's, it's just like you, after you're told four times no, like just move here's on. Here's the thing. We're starting the news hour. I'm trying to keep the program light. Probably talking about three deadly plane crashes in a row is not the way to keep things on the uh, on the levity tip. Yeah, creating theater, theater of the mind. I just got the look of death from Rick Emerson. I'm just saying. Like this pen in my hand will be jabbed into your skull if you continue on talking about any more plane crashes. Well, here's the thing. I can either try to be subtle about it or I can just tell you on the air like move on. 
So you, you can move. You can move on to wood chippers. You can move on to maimings. We're gonna hold it at two plane crashes for now. All right, we go from now uh, plane crashes to Barack Obama. Senator Barack Obama called some people on a short list for the vice pres- uh, presidential slot Thursday night to tell them he had not selected them as a running mate. A highly placed Democratic Party source says. Uh, the source did not say which people got the call. Obama has told some other potential running mates over the last few weeks that he would not be choosing them. So what kind of call would that be if Barack Obama called and said, sorry, you didn't get it? You know, do they, does he, like, send you, like, a gift basket, a consolation <laughs> prize? you get rice aroni on the way home? <laughs> well, it's what we were talking about because, you know, all through the primary season, there was this whole thing about, you know, they, they have the, the hotly contested primary and then somebody would win and, you know, whatever. And they would say, well, Barack Obama has placed a congratulation because when Hillary cleaned up in New Hampshire... Uh, you would always see that guy in CNN, like, or you know, or like Candy Crowley or somebody would come in and go, "Well, we do understand that Senator Obama has placed a congratulations call to Senator Clinton, congratulating her on her victory, and now they're just going to look forward uh, to uh, you know whatever was whatever came up to New Hampshire, I think uh, Denver or something, or or whatever. They're just gonna, they're looking forward to Michigan now, and uh, really all feet are on the ground as they look forward to the next uh, stage in this campaign, Bob. And what they would never really say is like, what does that even sound like? You know, because obviously they just, at least on some sort of gamesmanship level, just loathe each other. And the idea that you actually, what's even what's even worse is when you think about the actual presidential election, which comes up like the general election in the fall. You know, where like Al Gore has to pick up the phone and call George W. Bush. Imagine the pain. Let me just imagine the, the anguish of calling not just another guy who beat you in the election, but actually calling to congratulate George W. Bush on having been better than you in something. Yeah. I'm going... Lord George W. Bush, yes, uh, yes, the people seem to have chosen you as president. I uh, have fun with that. I'm going to go hang myself. I was thinking about this. What about some kind of service for uh, presidential candidates, similar to like that service that will break up with people for you? You know, or they you... will give your congratulations. <laughs> they'll give the concession call for you. <laughs> like, yeah, this is a message from Barack. Sorry, it's just not working out. That's actually not a bad idea. The other thing is, if you see that, um, and I'd kind of forgotten all about this, just like I'd repressed most of the 2000 election, but you go to see that movie Recount with Kevin Spacey, which is actually really good if sort of nerve-wracking. Like, you kind of you get about 45 minutes into that, and you're like, ah, I'm getting an ulcer. i gotta, I got to take a break. So uh, my wife and I actually had to break it into two sort of segments that we had to watch part one, then part two, because it's too, too frustrating and angering and nerve-wracking, whatever, watch the whole thing. So we're watching uh, Recount, and something that had happened in 2000, about which I had forgotten, is that Al Gore called George W. Bush, because they'd called the whole thing for, they'd called the whole thing for Bush, uh, because they put Florida in the Bush column. And so they're like, you know, George W. Bush is the, whatever, 42nd or 43rd, whatever the hell, president of the United States. Al Gore picks up the phone, calls him, and does the whole thing of like... Look, apparently you won, and uh, congratulations, and, you know, go, go with God, or whatever. And and, congra- and conceded and congratulated George W. Bush. And then at one point, insane as this sounds, it is true, Al Gore called him back to retract his congratulation and concession. He had to call George W. Bush back and go, look, uh, all, that said, I, all that stuff I said before, it's... Uh, I'm taking it back. Uh, you, you haven't won yet. I give anything to hear the tape of that, too. I mean, how great. And a, I guess from people who are in the room, you know, I don't think either of them has really spoken on the record about it, but you know, who knows. But from, from people uh, that were in the room, they said that 
when George W. Bush got the second phone call, which is Al Gore calling back to go, uh, psych, you know, just, just, and rescinded his congratulations and concession, I guess George W. Bush, they said he looked really, really confused and then just became like, it was just sort of like an incendiary white hot rage that came out of him. And just to have been in the room, oh, to have seen it, oh, to have been there. Out, like have a little boy tantrum. Seriously. So slapping coworkers. Uh, in any event, so there you go. Maybe you can tell, uh, you know, uh, former vice presidential contenders that you don't want them through text message or email. Really? I'm it that way. Sorry, just I'm not going to pick you. Thanks, uh, LOL. I mean, I think that if I was, I don't know, I think if I was running if a president or something and I lost, I don't even think I would want the concession call. You know what I mean? Where the guy calls to go like, hey, uh, you ran a good campaign, but uh, you are a loser. It's like, why would you even want that? Oh, you know what about what I mean? one of those letters when you apply for a job and they don't pick you? They're like... Thank you for applying. You know, uh, though you're well qualified, we found somebody more qualified for this job. We'll keep your we'll keep your application on file. Which is and when they say, keep the application <laughs> on file. And when they keep it in file, well, you know that's a thing. I think they're legally required to do that. That's when they say we're going to keep your application good on luck file. In your search. Seriously, good. Let us. You know, perhaps we will let you know the future if any sort of job opens up, which might be a match with your particular skill set. And when they say they're going to keep it on file, they never do. All that well, they do, but all that really means is, look, the HR department says we can't shred your resume, which we'd like to do because you have nothing to offer us as a person or as an employee. You are useless, but we are required to mouth the following words to you: Thank you for applying with us. At this point, there are no openings which match your qualifications. We will keep your resume on file. Please do contact us in the future if your contact information or stats change. Thank you so much. Uh, and then it just goes into the file, never to be. I mean, it just turns into peat moss. When I was, I used to actually save all my rejection letters uh, from, not even really from radio stations, because radio stations don't give you rejection letters. They just never call you back. I've gotten one rejection letter in my life from radio from a radio station. station? Yeah. Can you say which? Is it in Portland? Uh, it was a station. This is like five. Five years, six years ago, it was actually, I think, in Connecticut that X talked to me, and we were interviewing, and then I didn't hear back from him, and then I got a letter from him. And did it, was it a form letter? Yeah. Dear applicant, no, thank it, you it for... Was, yeah, it was something like, dear Tim Ryan. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, okay, I guess I'm not moving to Connecticut. I have never, I don't think I've ever gotten any sort of a rejection from a radio station. Even radio stations where it seemed like I was sort of close to the gig, you know what I mean? Like, I had, I've told the story a billion times, that I went to, I went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the same... It was the same week uh, that I was talking to KOTK originally back in 98 before I moved here, and it was down to either this station or a station. I won't say the name of the station, but a station in Milwaukee. And I went there, and I actually, and I did, they went so far as to pay. They flew me out there, uh, flew me out there, flew me back, put me up in a hotel, paid me for two days to do an on-air audition. Uh, and this is, here's how radio works, uh, kids. They flew me out there to audition on a Thursday and a Friday for the two days. They paid me, I think, 300 bucks. For the whole thing, which is not like bad. They, you know, pay my hotel, pay my airfare, give me 300 bucks to come out and do two days worth of work. You know, you, worse things than that. But the poor sap who normally had that shift was on vacation. And so they just sort of lied to him. And they're like, because they knew they were blowing him out. And they're like, look, uh, yeah, while you're on vacation, we're just going to, uh, we probably won't do best ofs. We'll probably just have some, uh, you know, just some uh, part-time folks come in and just, uh, you know, kind of rotate through the gig. You know, we'll, we'll fill you with a series of guest hosts. And that's what they were calling all of the people who were auditioning with guest hosts. And it wasn't that. They were just auditioning people to replace this poor guy. Uh, you know, and, and it, so anyway, so I got there and I do the show on Thursday and Friday. And then, you know, you just never hear back. And not a no, not a maybe next time, not a, not even a you suck and here's why so maybe you can get the next gig you apply for. Just like just endless tumbleweeds blowing through the distance between me and Milwaukee. Uh, but it was actually on it does have a happy ending. It was actually, I was in the Milwaukee airport 
getting ready to get on the plane to come back uh, to go back to California, which is where I was living at the time. And I checked my messages, and there was a message from Bruce Aguilar at KOTK, and the rest is history, and blah blah blah. When I was a teenager, I went through this whole phase where I would keep rejection letters from bad or sort of like uh, you know like like fast food jobs that I couldn't get or like terrible like you got a rejection letter from fast food jobs I used to have on the back of my door How is that possible I because you were me and you had no skills and you didn't and you didn't care and you went into interviews indicating you didn't care you were there just because uh, you you needed a job. But I it, thought you, that's the kind of the purpose of being a fast food employee. You I don't, don't care, dude. I don't know what it was about me, but there was something. I got rejected by or fired immediately by. I mean, I just listed off. I mean, some of these uh, some of these companies are great. Some maybe whatever. Some of them are. are we'll speak respectfully about all of them because several of them are fine advertisers. But I will say, I got hired by and fired by in the same week. Orange Julius. Um, Man, and even after like a day working that gig, you go home and hear blenders in your sleep. Let me tell you, you work at Orange Julius for a shift and a half. How old were you? You were um, 16 probably, 17. Maybe. Did you work in radio then? I was, but not enough to really, you know. I mean, I was working like overnight, like maybe, you know, like Sunday, like midnight to 5 a.m. or something. I was playing, um, I can tell you exactly what I was doing, actually. I was working at a country station, and this is before the big Garth boom, so it sucked, uh, none of the listeners were hot. I mean, it was all just like old people. Trailer and just, trash. Seriously, just yeah. trash and just hicks and geezers. Uh, but it was, you know, and it was still in like the Ronnie Millsap, Bellamy Brothers, you know, that kind of crap. Um, but I would go in and I would run the, uh, I would run the music from like midnight to four or something. I think it might have been midnight to six because then at five, I would play off reel to reel these uh, pre-taped religious programs. And they were just like all old and crusty and muffly because they've been played a million times. And it was, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was Y108 presents Hour of Faith, a look at Jesus and his impact on your life with guest speakers, the Reverend Fred Hargis from Tacoma, the inspirational lecturer, John Schlarp, and me. Ed, blah, 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 whatever his that's name is. That's how was. they sound, too. So that's exactly how they sound. Yeah. And then they go into, like, some bad Statler Brothers, like, gospel, and you're just sitting there just, like, with a gun in your mouth. I don't know if this is good or bad, but those jobs, like, kind of the jobs we start out playing playing that crap on Sunday mornings, they're kind of going away. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because they're all just automated. Right, people, I mean, that's, you know, that, yeah. that was kind of like the first radio job for everybody, and now... They don't exist. So, uh, but so I was working. But that was like midnight. To, this is the longest answer to a question. But I was working like midnight to six. But of course, that's not enough to pay for anything, you know, especially in radio. So I was like, well, I better get a, a mall job. And the mall job was made a little bit more bearable by the fact that I had a little bit of a radio job, you know. So I was like, well, okay, it's not like this is my sole thing. But I went to uh, Orange Julius and like, man, you worked like a day and a half, and I would go home. And you I would, worked at Orange Julius. Yeah, and I would go home, and in my head, I would try to sleep, and I would hear this. Of the blending of the the thing, the Julius. That's how I felt whatever. after working at Starbucks, making all those damn frappuccinos. I took pride in like these people and their like these snobby women in their workout clothes, getting like a venti frappuccino. I'm like, they're like 700 calories in that thing. Seriously, you enjoyed your workout there. Hey there, fat ass, enjoy your beverage. Uh, so I worked at Orange Julius, fired from there because uh, I wouldn't cut my hair. Um, I tucked it up in my hat, and this uh, this uh, the woman named Kathy, who was the manager, came by and she pulled the hat off me while I was at work, and my hair fell out. And, and it was like the poison well, video then, how, where she's they, like, you know, cut your hair. And I'm like, screw that. And I, like, took off my apron and threw it on the floor and left. But they hired you with your hair long, didn't they? Yeah, but she told me to cut it, and I lied and said I would. 
So what I did is I tucked it all up in my hat and I cut the, you know, I shaved the back of my neck real close so it didn't look like I had, you know, whatever. So I had it up in my Ernst Julie's hat. And it really was just like the video for Nothing But a Good Time by Poison. She comes by, you know, you're working at two speeds, slow and stop. She takes the, uh, takes the hat off my head. My golden locks fell down and, and she's like, I told you to cut your hair. And I'm like, I don't want to do that, you know, and whatever. I was probably much more rude about it. And she's like, well, you got to cut your hair to work here. And I just, and I did, it was just like, I was just like Matt Guitar Murphy and the Blues Brothers. I just took off my apron and I just folded it up and I put it there and I'm like, F this. And I'm out, I was out of there. And then I worked, and then I worked about a hundred yards further down the mall at Taco Time from where I was also fired because I could not, wait for it, I could not tell just by holding it in my hand the weight of an amount of cheese, which was a requirement for working there. They oh, would, I couldn't work at Taco Time. They would put shredded cheese in your hand, and they go, how much cheese is that? And you had to be able to guess to within like an eighth of an ounce or whatever, like how much cheese it was, because there were specifications for how you build the taco. And it was like it, you were only supposed to use so much cheese. They didn't want you using too much. And so you had to be able to tell by whole – who could, I mean, what kind of a skill is that? So Why would you need advanced mathematics to work at goddamn Taco Time? You know, I don't know. I will say I love Taco Time. I love eating there. burrito's good. I really do. But they wouldn't hire – or they, they, they fired me. And then finally, just to end this whole uh, trip down memory fast food lane, I did in fact get a rejection letter from McDonald's, uh, and it was hanging on the back door of my bedroom. And you it still said, have it? And it was like, well, and uh, I you have it. You I, bring it in. I saved it for the longest time. It's like, dear applicant, and the and here the other thing about it is, so a friend and I, a guy I went to high school with, a good a good pal of mine, we applied to McDonald's on the same day. You know, you're doing that idiot thing when you're a teenager, where you're walking around with a fistful of applications. Going from, like, one place to another, you know, Sparrows, got an application, great. House of Fabric, got an application, great, you know. Uh, B. Dalton Booksellers, got an application, great, you know. And, and they know the deal because they see you coming in with a handful of, like, 50 applications already. So we apply to McDonald's on the same day. They hire this bastard and not me. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of thing? They hired your friend? Seriously, hired my friend, not me, and then I get the thing in the mail. Like, your skills do not... And I think I was just so young and stupid and energetic that I, it didn't even phase me. I mean, I think if you're like 50 and you apply at McDonald's and you get the whole like, we're not going to hire you, maybe that's uh, maybe that's the time. Maybe that's strap over the shower rod time. Uh, but you know, but you're like 16. Yeah, I'd be excited to get a rejection letter from McDonald's. It wasn't that. I mean, you know what? To be fair, they really are, and you'll hear this from anybody. They are in many ways a great company uh, to work for. But I did, but they wouldn't hire me. And in, of course, in my head, you know, of course, how you justify everything when you're sort of a young, you know, kind of, you know, the, like the young sort of angry guy. You're just like, you know what? It's, you know, it's it's because they knew I was. It, they were too, they were afraid of me. It's because I was too intense for them. You know, like we sat and like we looked and it's like I was just too overpowering. It's like they don't want that. They're, you know, they want they want somebody they can mold at that place. And they saw me. They knew that oh, I'm an individual. Boy. Well, that's what you do. But that's yeah, what you tell yourself. But you know, but I think all young men well, true, well, are that all way. People in general, when you're rejected, it's like, oh, I was too good for that anyway. Well, I mean, you, Sarah and I both know people. Sarah and I both know men who are. Or maybe uh, much later in life, we still have that attitude. No, 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 it's because, it, you know, no, it's, you know, it's because, you know, I'm not a clock watcher. You know, this is a world full of sheep. And you know what? I'm out there doing my own thing, you know, and people either, you know, with me, you take, you take it, you take it or leave it. You, you know, what you see is what you get. Word. You know, and like those guys. And I was that when I was like 16. Uh, you know, and I'm like, that's it. They're afraid of me. You know, so whatever. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. McDonald's, da da da. One, I don't more, even, one more thing about Barack Obama. I don't Obama even remember what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we were talking about Barack Being Obama. Being rejected. All right. Yeah. Uh, does he have to keep, like, 
their application on file, the fact that he was considering them for the job. Just, Seriously, is there an EEO for VP candidates? Like if, get it? like if the like if the VP guy gets Eagleton, like if it turns out that the VP choice like used to go to brothels or something, they'll keep the uh, the backup choice. Right. Can I go to uh, Barack Obama headquarters and demand to see the EEO report for the uh, the uh, candidates? It's funny, Chris Neathan just sent me an email. He says, "Hey, they haven't called to tell me no. Does this mean I'm still on the short list?" So there you go. I don't even know how that works. All right, here's Timmy Ryan. Let's talk about cocaine. Let's. Yeah, this happened in Sutherland. Where is Sutherland? Is that in Oregon? I take it that's to the south because it says Sutherland. So, uh, look, there's no need to be an ass. Uh, I don't even know. I mean, what I'm I, saying I, is, is I, this I a regional know. story or yeah, is this yeah, from, like, well, Texas? No, this is Sutherland, Oregon. Okay. A traffic stop on I-5 netted Oregon State Police two arrests and 65 pounds of blow. Two Washington State men were arrested after police stopped their 2007 Honda Accord on Wednesday morning on I-5 northbound near milepost 140. The two men, Christian Escalante Casanida, 25, uh, and his passenger, Alfonso Garcia Casanida, are both from Seattle, uh, and they were pulled over for following another vehicle too closely and other hazardous traffic offenses. Something else I don't get about people hauling, you know, lots and lots of illegal drugs. You'd think they would be obeying the traffic laws to a T, but it's like, they always pull these guys over because, you know, they're following somebody too closely. Or Pale light out. Yeah, someone's drunk. You yeah. know, multiple lights, right? You think that they would have the sense, like, let's make sure everything works on the car and uh, let's drive 55. Now, you know, I will, I will tell you this. Uh, there's somebody, um, I think it was an episode of The West Wing from where I steal most of my material. And there was a great thing where there was a, this guy from, I think, the FBI. Um, he was talking about, they were looking for some guy who'd taken a shot at the president or whatever. I think it was in the In the Shadow of Two Gummin episode. Anyway, they end up pulling the guy over because he has a burnt-out taillight. You know, and this is a guy who's just tried to assassinate, you know, the, the president of the West Wing. And they pull him over because his taillights are out. And the guy, this guy, Ron Butterfield from the FBI, he says the best thing. He says, he says, you know what? There's no amount of, no, it was Agent Casper from the FBI. He says, you know, there's no amount of manpower. There's no amount of work. There's no amount of forensic evidence that really can stack, stack up against the advantage of the person you're looking for being absolutely stupid. And that really is it, right? I mean, can I just say what we're all thinking in this room? That not that I would ever advocate this because the Rick Emerson show promotes the following of all laws and the respect for authority and all government regulations. If any one of us in the room here decided to be a criminal, we would probably be exceptional. You know why? Because we're because we're, you know, maybe not like all about the little details. And the thing is, and we're not dumb. Uh, really, this I will say this, and I mean this as a compliment in a strange way. This audience this audience could produce the greatest crop of master criminals uh, that probably the uh, you know Northwest has ever seen. Because, I mean, criminals are just dumb. That's and why that's D.D. Why they Cooper get caught. has never been caught. Yeah, or but, even found. Yeah, because you know, he was a genius. I'm sad. You, it's, it's all, you know, God and theft are, are both in the details. So, 55 pounds of cocaine. That's a lot of coke. I mean, I don't even know how much, I don't even know what that would sell for. I mean, I have no idea, but that I mean, that's got to be. That would feed Daryl Strawberry for like two days. <laughs> Allegedly. Here's Tim, uh, here's Timmy Ryan. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what watch do I want to do. Let's do a corpse watch. Here's your corpse watch uh, for Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm digging up bones, I'm digging up bones, doing things that's better left alone. I'm resurrecting memories of a love that's dead and gone. Yet I'm not I'm sitting alone, digging up bones. I don't feel like an idiot. Because I'm kind of reading through this. Mm -hmm. and it's not... Well, it's technically... Is it not a corpse watch? Well... Is this a thing... Was this the one that you were like...
saying, like, it's a body. Is this a story that you took it upon yourself to label a corpse watch, and now you realize that you were incorrect? Well, because I, I saw the word mourners, dead man, uh, put together in the headline, so maybe I was incorrect. Yeah, of course. Let, let me read what is What is the story? And then we will determine if you, if you correctly labeled it. All right. A uh, British man who did not tell anyone he was going on vacation to Australia came home to find they were mourning his death. Wait, he what, huh? Okay. A British man who did not tell anyone he was going on vacation to Australia... No, this is not a corpse ...came watch. home to find they were mourning his death. No. Well, because there was a geek watch... It's interesting, he... but it's not a corpse watch. All right, because it was under a pile Does of... Does it say watches. corpse in big letters? No. Well, there's your tip-off. I'll continue on just for the sake of continuity, all right? The confusion began in June when 49-year-old Michael O'Neill from Middlesbrough, England, made a last-minute decision to head down under without telling a soul. His neighbors grew worried and called police, who broke into his flat and found no evidence of his whereabouts. Well, I will say, uh, while not a corpse watch, it is kind of interesting because it does... I was actually just thinking about this the other day, how... Unlike a lot of people, I prefer um, uh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer to The Adventures of Huck Finn. Uh, Huck Finn's a great book, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm more of a, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of the Tom Sawyer book because the Tom Sawyer book, unlike unlike The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, which is, again, the, the, the really epic piece of, of literature, but The Adventures of Tom Sawyer has so many. It's like, you know, somebody said this great thing about Silence of the Lambs one time, and I will tie this into Tom Sawyer. Somebody said this great thing about Silence of the Lambs. They said it was like Thomas Harris and then later Jonathan Demme. They said it was like for Silence of the Lambs, they drew up a list of every single human phobia there was. And then said, we're going to make a movie that has every one of these phobias. Uh, you know, there's not a lot, but there's a lot of them in there. For, for the adventures of Tom Sawyer, it's like Mark Twain sat down and he said, I'm going to create a master list of all the things that little boys find great or exciting or thrilling or all the things that little boys kind of dream of doing. And one of the things, which I don't think has really ever been done again because I think it's been done as, it was done as well as it could be done in Tom Sawyer, is where Tom and Huck and um, somebody else, I think Tom's stepbrother, uh, they all go to live on that, like, island, and everybody thinks they're dead. And the whole town is mourning them. And even Tom's aunt, who, of course, you know, because Tom, Tom Sawyer's a miscreant, and he's a troublemaker, and his aunt has always given him, like, a, like a switching and a hiding. Um, even Tom's aunt thinks he's dead, and so the whole town throws them a funeral, and the aunt is going, if only I'd treated Tom better. I never realized what a special boy he was. And the, the, everybody in town is gathered in the church, and, the, and they're hiding upstairs, right? Uh, and the, yeah, the, and the priest is sort of conducting the ceremony, and then the doors to the uh, church get thrown open, and Tom and Huck and everybody walk into their own funeral, and so, which is just so great. It gives me chills just to think about it because it's so perfectly executed. Because who hasn't dreamed of, who hasn't thought about what what people would say about you if you were dead, right? That's the whole thing. Like everybody thinks about. I have that. a pretty good idea. Oh, me too. <laughs> Both for you and me, my friend. <laughs> See you in hell. But I mean, everybody think. thinks about that, right? You think like, well, what if, what if, you know, what what would happen if I were, what would my funeral look like? What would people say about me? And it is a thing you have a weird, in fact, it is it is such a common fantasy that psychiatrists actually have a name for it, uh, for the fantasy of wanting to see your own funeral and people's reaction. And psychiatrists call it magical thinking. And they say that in people who have a low-grade mental disorder or some sort of you know, kind of borderline psychosis, they will oftentimes commit suicide because they are somehow under the delusion that they will still be able to see the aftermath and see kind of how people react to their death. And it's called magical thinking. And I guess it's very common in people who have a certain kind of borderline disorder. But it's pretty, but I mean, that's the great thing about Tom Sawyer. And that's the great thing about that story. I mean, that he comes back and they're like, 
We thought you was dead, you know? I mean, which is just, which is great. I mean, somebody so. should uh, invent some kind of virtual program. Where, you know, it's like your funeral, and there's a bunch of mourners and people giving a eulogy. That should be our next listener party. We should just have a funeral. For us. I don't want to be involved in that. We can have one for you. You can lay in a casket. <gasps> All right. Rick Emerson says goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, seriously? Because we've done the roast. The Rick Emerson wake. That's genius. That's genius. That needs to be Seriously? A, that's it? That's it? We're... We came, thank God we were so worried about what we were going to do for the next listener party. That's it. So did I have something to do with this? No. No? No? Well, only in that you said it was a corpse watch, but I think I would have come up with the idea anyway. So would you like a little bit of credit? Well, I said there should be some kind of virtual program so you know you can design your own funeral and watch everybody mourn over You're rewriting you. history. This is, all right, that's it. Add a, add a word, God. get it. Hold on. And everybody is now a witness. This is this is what's called a this is what's called a verbal contract. Everyone has heard us say that we're doing this. This is our idea. That the Rick Emerson wake. That's the next thing. Add a word, get a third. All right. That's how the music industry works. What? Yeah. If you add a word to a song, you basically get a third of the uh, royalties. Like the Starland Vocal Band when they did Everybody La Bamba. Yes. All right. All right. Uh, well, let's do these is calls, the then we'll break. We're not going to close the corpse watch. <laughs> let's take these calls, then we'll break. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I don't I don't know if you got to this, but I you know don't want to. Throw water on your lovely uh, gossip fire, but Monica's been in town for nearly a year. Oh, thanks. Thanks for robbing me. Thanks for stealing uh, it from me. But there is a cool kind of backstory. She you couldn't even let me live in sort of happy d delusion. She's been back and forth, right? Back and forth. Uh, she was going to work for Portland monthly, but then there was so much crap for everybody talking about her. You know, did she ever think to ask Rick Emerson for a job? Did she ever say, yeah. maybe Rick maybe Rick Emerson has a position for me? She does have a degree from the London School of Economics or something. So Is that sure. true? Really going, yes, she does. I really do love but, her. All right. But uh, the backstory was kind of fun that uh, she hangs out at this watering hole up in Northwest. When Bill and Hillary came through, she kind of left town. That is, and to, that is to be expected, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but two of her great friends were in the bar. Bill was making the rounds like only he could do, and everybody was taking pictures with him. Right. So he got in the picture with the girls, and then they were immediately sending him to her down in L.A. That's pretty great. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right. Brad knows everybody. He really does. Brad is people who knows people. Uh, let's do two more here, and we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick. Uh, did you guys ever mention uh, why Timmy Ryan was in the limo? Um, no, we never figured it out. Oh, no. I mean, so, I mean, I was going to sort of do that later on, but we might as well do it now. All right, Timmy Ryan, what was up with you in a limo the other day? You have to tell us. I'm I not, mean... Not saying a word. You were in the limo, so... All, my, all I'm going to say is I did not pay for the limo. Well, here's I the was thing. in it by myself with the exception right. of Adam, and I did not pay for it. Well, let's put it and this way. And the reason why I came to the station, I'll tell you this, because I was I was basically being driven around in Northwest. I went to a bunch of bars, and I wanted to go up to the Hawthorne District, you know, uh, to the bars up there. And the uh, the driver on his GPS thought that going over the Ross Island Bridge – is that the Ross Island Bridge over there? Yeah. Yes. There? Yeah, he, his GPS said going over the Ross Island Bridge was the quickest way to the Hawthorne District. And I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And by the time uh, he uh, – he realized we were going in the kind of wrong direction, so to speak. We were passing the station. I had to um, <clears throat> use the toiletry. And so that's why we pulled into the uh, the KUFO parking lot. Wait. Okay, there was but, no urinal in the, in the limo. But how is it that you came to be riding around in the limo? Here, you can say, or we can just guess. No, there's no, there's really nothing to guess about. I just. Well, there's all, did you, I, like, like convince some poor listener to drive no, around? No, no. It's, it's, was it part of your bet? No, no bet. 
How did, so how exactly did you contact the limo driver did a limo, to put this together? Did a limo driver volunteer to drive you around? Mm, I wouldn't say volunteer. They were on business. Did you, in fact, recruit the limo to drive you around to add to the Timmy Ryan mystique? No, no, not at all. Did you how did it come about? When did you schedule the limo? Did you I didn't the... schedule Well, I, I didn't really schedule it. It just kind of happened. Let it, was me say last, this. it was a last-minute thing. Let me ask you this. Uh, did you, in fact, at, at certain points during that evening, refer to yourself in the third person? No. If but I if I ask Adam, Adam the I same question, I saw you and Adam together, and Adam was sober, and you were wasted. I was drunk because I was getting driven around. You know, not, I wasn't paying a dime all around Portland for like I think. God, I was. In the, if like, I four ask hours. Adam the same question about you referring to yourself in the third person, will he give me a different answer? I was I was not referring myself to the third person. I was in that limo from like seven to God eleven. Hey Richie, can you see if we can find Adam? He's sleeping. There's no way you're gonna get him up. We can oh. always get him oh, up. Oh, we can always get him up. All right, thank you, sir. <laughs> really? All right, one more, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Uh, hi. Hey. I thought that since you guys wanted to do that wake for your next listener party, you yes. have everyone dress up like they're going to a wake. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that'll attract all the goth kids. Oh, well, I assure you. Uh, well, you say, it's, you say it's unfortunate. It's only unfortunate for you, perhaps. It's not unfortunate for me. I'm one of those goth kids. Well, see, there you go. Then it's a, uh, wait a minute, how old are you? 22. All right. Then I was going to say that it's a win-win. It's a win for Rick Emerson. Uh, I'm a big yeah. I'm a big fan of goth girls. I can't speak for anybody else. Kimmy? Well, I, I like girls who are independent, you know, and don't live in their parents' basement and do not cut themselves, so no. Uh, well, R Timmy and I are on opposite sides of that fence then. All right. No, it's uh, that's your that, that's a plus for me. So, all right. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Right, bye. There so you're go. into Monica Lewinsky and goth girls. What if Monica Lewinsky dressed like a goth girl? Well, I was just going to say, then uh, then I would have then I'd just go blind even just from thinking about it. So take a break. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, Naboo was under an attack. And I thought me and Qui-Gon Jinn could talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response, it didn't thrill us. They locked the doors and tried to kill us. We escaped from that gas. The Met Jar Jar in Bosnass. We took a bongo from the scene and we went to feed to see the Queen. We all wound up on tattooing. That's where we found this boy. Oh my, my, this Piranican guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry. Jedi. Soon I'm gonna be a Jedi. Did you know this junkyard slave isn't even old enough to shave? But he can use the force they say.
It's the Rick Emerson radio program. So cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, you know, that's a parody of a song Don McLean wrote about the plane crash of three rock stars. Yes, it is. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. Here's the great thing about this song. Right there. The fact that you can work the word midi-chlorians into a song. I mean, he really is just... I don't know if he's he. I don't know if he's the Mozart. He may, in fact, though, be the Salieri of of comedy recordings. I mean, it's just it's just astounding. Um, I love Weird Al, but I can't listen to that song. I really it's too goddamn geeky. I, I, I can. Mean, I really don't like Star Wars. It's an okay movie. I can listen to this song all day. Uh, coming up at uh, one ten today, we're going to be talking to. Does somebody need a timeout? <laughs> no. All right. See, I, I don't even know. I've never seen Star Wars, but I think it's. I I just love how every syllable is on every. It's just the way it's made is oh, it's, it's flawless. And here the and the thing I'm going to ask him about this song about the saga begins um, is uh, let's see we got about uh, I don't know about one ten or so we're going to have to weird out. The, the thing I'm going to ask him is and I've told this story so often that I don't even now really remember if the story is true or if it's like a thing I made up and then I just repeated so often that it sort of becomes true in my head. Because I interviewed him a long time ago in '96, uh, I interviewed him. I had him. Uh, I had him in the studio with me, and it, he had just put out "Bad Hair Day," which is the album that Amish Paradise was on. And because I was just say he put, put the most exceptional show. I mean, really, just and it was you know, 1996 was not necessarily like a not necessarily like a great time for seeing live rock shows in some way because it was just everything was just so sort of morose and sullen and downbeat, and there's there's no theatricality at all. And I think it was before. The Kiss reunion tour had happened, so there was just really, there was really no sort of sizzle. There was really just no no snap when you went to see uh, a show. And I went to see Weird Al, and of course, you know, he's just got a real crack band because I think it's the same band he's had since 1983 or something. Um, and it was like multiple costume changes and like great like video footage that went with everything, and a lot of sort of sight gags. And it was really just a fantastic production. It was the, the, the full night's entertainment, really. But I had I'd asked him this question, I think. I do. I have this recollection of saying, "Well, is there a song you were never able to parody? Is there a song that, like, you, you tried and you just took a million cracks out and you just never get it done?" And like in my head, I seem to remember him saying, "Well, I could never really parody American Pie. I tried and I couldn't get it done, and I've had a million ideas and none of them panned out." And so then he fast forward to I think 1999 when the saga begins uh, comes out. And I remember saying, "Oh, that's so great!" And I was I had all this like pride for for Al that he'd gotten it done. But now that I think back on that, I wonder if that's a thing I've just made up in my head. So I'm going to ask him later on if that's true that he'd struggled with that song, and then he, you know he finally got the parody written. And if not, I mean, I kind of I'm curious as to what else he's tried to parody and maybe you know hadn't been able to. Has anybody here heard uh, that "Trapped in the Drive-Through" song? Anyone? No. Is it like is it a parody of R. Kelly's yeah, in the Jesus, it's an yeah. it's. I'm going to go on, and I don't even want to start this conversation because then you start to anger Weird Al fans who are a little sort of rabid about this kind of thing. But I, it, it may in fact be his his masterpiece. I mean, it really may. As much as I love his originals, too, and he's written originals like Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota, which are these big sort of wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald type originals. Today, Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota is so great. It's like seven minutes of pure distilled genius, and it's one of his... You know, and we've actually done top fives of nothing but Weird Al's original songs, uh, which are equally great and kind of get, you know, sort of short shrift. But, you know, there's that uh, trapped in the in the closet thing by R. Kelly, which is, I don't know, either terrible or, like, so dumb that it becomes great or so great that I can't tell it's great. But it's, but it's you know, this huge, epic 11-minute absurdity. 
And so when uh, and uh, when you know when when Al puts out trapped in the in the drive thru I thought, well, how in the world is he gonna? And then you listen to it, and it's just I mean, I should no longer even be surprised by these things. Now I'm just gushing about weirdo, but uh, I should no longer even be shocked when this happens. But it's every line, every beat, every measure, every just the meter to the lyrics is exactly the same. And I swear to you, Weird Al Yankovic manages to take. I mean, the entirety of the song is a guy and his wife getting in the car and going to the drive-through at like a taco hut, and he manages to make that an absolutely hilarious 11 minutes, and it never lets up. There's it never sags. There's never a weak moment. There's never a dull spot. It's like 11 minutes of genius comedy about sitting in a drive-through lane. And I got this, you know, there's, there's a short list of people who can do that. It's a list so short that it only has the name Weird Al Yankovic on it. So anyway, it's just very cool. So that's coming up uh, 110 today. We'll be talking to Weird Al. This in for Tim Riley is Timmy Ryan. Hello. Hi. I thought there was some kind of music or accolades that. No, we're still music. You're not. There's going to be no music for accolades. There oh. will probably be no accolades. I'm. I'm not deserving of accolades. <coughs> Do some news. <coughs> All right. Um. Okay. Turns out that. The gaydar may be for real. New story from Tufts University shows many people can determine in an instant if someone is gay or straight. The Hartford Currents reports 15 students were shown pictures of 90 men taken from the social networking website Facebook. They were then evenly split between gay and straight. Researchers found that in 50 milliseconds, which one, uh, this is written weird, which is one twelfth of a second, the students could correctly determine the sexual orientation of the person in the photo about 60% of the time. All participants were accurate between 55 and 70% of and the this time. Is, and this is of identifying men uh, who are gay or women? You just read it like five it just seconds says ago. Someone, it just says if someone is gay or straight. It doesn't say men or women. Uh, I was just going to say that maybe it's easier Maybe it's easier to determine it with men, but then maybe not. I don't really know. Because so, cause then you can say, argue the same thing for women. Too. I was just going to say, because, you know, there's a woman well, with a flat top. I think all women are bisexual at some point, so. In your mind? Right. In my mind? Ladies, he's available to dates. He's Timmy Ryan. Know, he, has, he has a serious girlfriend. Right? Wait, is she no longer your quasi-girlfriend? Has Timmy Ryan been tamed? Is Timmy Ryan off the market? Tamed? <laughs> off the market. Yes, this. Yeah, sorry to disappoint you, ladies. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I've been seeing her since February, so I guess we're kind of together now. That's not an answer to the question. It's not an answer to the question I asked. It's kind of like certainly. after you've been, like, working at a job after six months, you're kind of off the probationary period, you know? I'm sure Shelly will be pleased to know that she's, quote, a job you're working for six months. <laughs> uh, so if I were to ask her right now, and I don't even know that I will, because I don't even know that I can. Fine, she's my goddamn girlfriend. Fine. All Jesus. right, thank you. There you go. Is that so difficult? Apparently, yes. Why didn't she get to ride in the limo with you, Timmy Ryan? Seriously, why is it Adam? And who was waiting out in the limo for you? I find it hard to believe you're riding around by yourself. I was riding pretty... around by myself. Adam says he was with you. Adam says he was riding with you. Well, yeah, Adam came with me for a couple of bar stops, yes. And then you kicked him out, or did he leave? I think he left because he has, uh, Adam has been seeing a girl, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did, did he leave because he found you insufferable? No, he's just Adam. Mm -hmm. I think is becoming, and so like. You did know, you really just do that? I then you were saying that Adam couldn't find the lady, so now he found he's found no, himself he, a lady. Well, he found the lady via Shelley. We hooked him up with uh, one of her uh, one of her friends. All right. And I'm actually going to try to hook uh, Don Sloan, who works traffic up there, who is the uh, the. Uh, Please tell me you're not becoming a matchmaker for the building, for the love of God. 
Please tell me that people are not finding love via Timmy Ryan. Well, uh, because okay, the love Don's of all that is holy. Who plays drums and tour de force. The station man around here uh, uh, is single, and I think uh, one of uh, Shelley's friends, Lorraine, would be perfect for him. So we're gonna try to hook him up. Lorraine. Her name is Lorraine. Is she gonna pick her up from a retirement home? No. <laughs> is she gonna come with Gladys? No, no. Lorraine's cool. I mean, Lorraine's an interesting name. She's not. Does she wear? Um, does she wear cat eye glasses? No. All right, that surprises me. Is she gothic? No, anyway. I don't... Is she hot? Uh, she's a good-looking girl. What celebrity would you say she most resembles? Oh, I... Everybody looks like somebody. I don't... Even you. Mm, I don't know. You know Even who you me? look like? Who? You look like, Shia... You, look Shia... you look like Shia LaBeouf's teacher in Transformers. Uh-huh. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, is this Adam? Adam? Uh, this is actually Weird Al, Rick. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're a stitch. I didn't know you were on the... Hi, Adam. I didn't know you were on the phone. What brings you to the yeah, phone? Yeah. What huh? uh, What brings you to the phone? Did Richie call you? Richie called me. I had nothing to do with this. So, were you uh, Were you asleep? Away. Were you asleep just now? Uh, yes. Are you asleep as we speak? No, sir. I am awake, lucid, and ready to rock. All right. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, most of these, as they say in sales, are closed-ended questions. A. Was Timmy Ryan referring to himself in the third person during the limo ride the other night? Uh. At times he did. Right. I remember a specific quote when you were like, "You roll with Timmy Ryan and cool oh yeah, what did S he say? Happens. What did he say when you roll with Timmy Ryan? Yeah, cool S happens to you. Yeah, that's about right. When you hang out with Timmy Ryan, cool stuff like this just happens. Uh huh. What cool stuff like what exactly? Riding around in a limo aimlessly for forty minutes, going nowhere. <laughs> that's what happens. With a, with and as they say in singles, the two of you with no women anywhere. There were bar stops. Yeah. All right. Uh, so it was just you two on a romantic limo ride by yourselves. We were going bar to bar. Really, you couldn't find a carriage around the park or something. We were going bar to bar drinking. Uh huh. And it was a lot of fun. Is it true? I think went from bar to bar and then Adam left. <laughs> I, you know, I can't really, I'm pu- still putting together the pieces of that night because I was tanked. Is it? Let I me, was loaded. Let me ask you this, Adam. Uh, at what point of the evening did you bail out on the limo trip and why, if I can ask? Uh, you know, we drove around for like, like I said, half hour, 40 minutes. We got to a certain establishment and we went in, got a couple beers, and within about 20 seconds, uh, Timmy felt the need to get back in the limo so we could be seen some more. Uh-huh. And, you know... I was taking full advantage of the limo ride while I could. Mm-hmm. Is it true, Timmy, that you bought uh, a whole like parcel of beers for folks, but then actually slurped loudly out of all the glasses, meaning they uh, couldn't drink any of the beer? It's, it's possible. Uh-huh. It's, it's, I, I don't really remember that part. Uh, all right. Uh, Rick, Rick, he yes. French kisses a beer like no one else. Uh, he, like, deep throats that thing. It was just like, wow. Like, deep throat? You were like you weren't just taking the like the top of it. You were just like slugging that thing like it was a, like a hose down your throat. Well, I wasn't paying for any of the booze that night, so that that was great. Wait, I don't understand it. You weren't paying for the booze. Who was paying for the booze? You, I saw you pay for the booze. For the well, beer. no, no, well, I, I wasn't paying for it. I put it on my car, but I wasn't paying oh. for it. Oh, that that makes perfect sense. What does that, that even mean? Sense. All right, whatever. Uh, let me ask you this, Timmy Ryan. Is it true that you spent the evening sending uh, a lot of people picture messages of you in the limo? It's possible. I don't mm-hmm. remember. All right. Well, it, it's one it, of those it, things where you you call people and you text message people and like you don't remember the next morning. All right, Adam. Hey, Rick. Yes. Rick, you ever heard the expression? It's kind of a sports expression. Act like you've been there before. Yes. Timmy needs to learn how to act like he's been there before. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Thank you. You know what I'm saying, though? Because I, is it really that cool to be in a limo? I mean, we've been in limos. As, I mean, as, well, you know, it's not your prom, you know? I mean, it's it's 
something else. It's a whole new experience. Well, as I said the other day, there is nothing like the clout wielded by somebody who had 70 bucks. So, all right. Thank you, Adam. No, it's four hours. Hey, Timmy. What? Timmy, keep, re- keep reading that news like you've been doing. It sounds real good. Okay, real fluid. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing a great job. Okay, there you go. The inner workings of the Pimp Squad. Think of something Thank clever. you, Adam. I All don't right. have to think of anything. I can call many names. I by can the way, band practice in four hours. By the way, let me just say this. Uh, Don Sloan is here and says he had no idea that you were going to hook him up and did not ask you to do so. <laughs> hey, I told I told Don that I was going to be able to hook him up. I said there's this girl that would be perfect for him. Mm-hmm. I think so, anyway. Richie, what did Don say about that? All right. I thought I told you, Don. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Let's do one call, then we'll take a break. We'll come back. Gone to soulmate. They'd be good together. They would hit it off. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. couple things. Yeah. Uh, you remember the, when Russia invaded Georgia? I'm surprised you didn't uh, mention something from World War Z. Which would have been what, sir? I uh, remember how the Soviet Union sort of forms again into the the Holy Soviet Empire. Mm, yes, no, in response to the zombie uprising. All right, I'm always whenever I uh, and I I have to tell you this, I've read World War Z twice, and then lately I've been listening to it a lot on the audiobook. Like if I'm going to be doing a long drive, and for some reason the last two times I've had to go to the doctor, it's like I'm sitting there and I'm listening to World War Z on the way in on the audiobook, and it's always the part. Uh, where the woman is talking about going up to Alaska or whatever and then, like, having to, I don't know, they have to kill the guy in the next camper and eat him for dinner or something because everybody's starving. And anyway, so and so then I go and I sit in the in the hospital waiting room having heard World War Z, and then I'm just surrounded by people going, <coughs> you know, just coughing, and then I'm just thinking, all right, this is it. The, the next thing you know, my blood's going to turn solid. Yeah, so. somewhere. Yeah, all right. Uh, uh, yes, and? Uh, a coworker of mine came up with a uh, Dark Knight T-shirt idea. Which is? It's already appeared before, um... Well, basically, you'd get uh, Curious George or the guy dressed in yellow. You know, why so curious? That's funny. That would sell. Dude, that would completely sell. you got to get on that. Yeah, get him a little Joker makeup, you know? Yeah. Good for you. Hey, there's money in the bank with that. You get on that, sir. All right. All right, thank you. Blow that uh, snorg tease girl right off the map. All right. Back after this, we will talk to Weird Al Yankovic in the next hour. Later on, Aaron Duran. More news from Timmy Ryan. Top five. Uh, High Concept Friday, Glorious Bastard of the Week, and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Murrow, Cronkite, Rather, Tim Riley. This is AM 970. KCMD Portland. So, so, You're listening to AM 970. 970. 970. The Talker. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. Wait, hold on a second. Richie Bristol, what gives? Weird Al, on his way to the hotel, we'll call around 125. Oh. All right, excellent. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Here's what's on the way uh, today, friends and neighbors. Uh, we talked to Weird Al Yankovic around, uh, I don't know, around uh, 10, 15 minutes from now. Uh, more news from... Do you need glasses, Timmy Ryan? It's like point oh 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 one goddamn print. You know, Tim Riley does that occasion. I'll look over, and he's just got like the the full on squint, 
going, and he's got the paper about half an inch from his face. You need, like, the Hubble telescope to read this properly. <laughs> this thing's, I'm, I'm going to stumble through this like, you know, I was stumbling into bars the other night. Okay. Uh, whatever. Uh, the uh, Let's see. We've got the Aaron Duran is going to join us later on with his review of Death Race. Uh, we'll have the top five Guns N' Roses songs you don't hear on the radio. We'll do a New York City Instapol for Sarah Dillon, who is heading to New York uh, tomorrow. And uh, like us at 3, Michael Mara Show at 7. This is Timmy Ryan. New York, home of the Rat Burger. Geek Watch. What's wrong with him? Oh, the, the list the I list cannot even be calculated. I would be slow. In the Queen Surgeon Lemon, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but cause we were wondering if the quantum flux... Well, just listen, I mean, there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Here's your Geek Watch for Friday. Attention all Mountain Dew drinking, Linux hacking, basement dwelling dweebs out there. There's going to be a new reality show just for you. It's called Temptation Gadget Island. This is the best thing ever. So uh, Seamus was telling me about this show. So I guess the deal is... Tell me if this is the same show that I'm thinking of. So the deal here is that... <laughs> I'm, I'm checking the print to see if we're thinking of the same thing. Seriously, you're hunched over like Minimus Mole over there. Jesus. Let me ask you this. Have you? When is the last time you had your vision tested? Oh, it's good. Don't worry about that. Are you sure about yeah, that? Yeah, it's 2020. I'm fine. All right. All right. I, don't, I don't have any problems seeing, hearing. I'm going deaf, though. All, All right. right. I'm, just, I'm just saying. You're holding that. You're kind of looking at that the way that my grandmother would look at lotto tickets. After hey, you Sarah, do. why don't you try looking at it? And tell me what you think. Okay. Uh, Sarah, tell me on a scale of 1 to 10 how difficult you find, that to, it's really bad. you find that to read. Is it's it's really not that bad, hon. I wear glasses. It's really bad. Do you wear glasses? No, I don't have to. I've seen you wear glasses. No, you have not seen me wear glasses. Are they fashion glasses? I'm pretty Do sure. Are they fashion no. glasses? Wait, hold on, no, no, let's stop. I wear sunglasses sometimes. Hold on, no, no, no. Let's... I am fairly sure that when you first came to work here, uh, that I saw you in the couple control room wearing... Not just glasses, but in fact wearing horn-rimmed glasses. Really? Is that... You say really. That's think, either a yes or no question. I don't and, think that was me. And when you say you don't think that was you, that's how I know you it's sure a that lie. that wasn't Smokey? Because that is, in fact, a binary... Uh, that's a binary proposition. You either wore glasses or you did not. I don't think I did. Maybe that was Smokey. Smokey wore glasses. Do you really believe that I cannot tell the difference between you and a completely different person from a distance of four feet? I'm wearing glasses, my friend. I know who you are. So... I, we could call John Paul and Jim ask him about it because he's the one who interviewed you, but I'm pretty sure... Can I find an online eye test and we can give it to Timmy Ryan? Do they have such things? Well, they probably do. They have an online everything. I don't ever remember wearing glasses. I mean, I'm almost certain that when you first came to work at CBS Radio Portland, you were wearing, like, big-ass horn rim glasses. And here's the reason I know, because two things. A, John at Couple, uh, who was the one who brought you here, so everybody in Portland has him to... John Paul, thank you. Everybody has him to thank for that. I'm fairly sure that John described you as, quote, looking like Buddy Holly, and we that only means one thing. And, and it's not because huh. like you were in the studio holding a guitar. And B, I think Tim Riley described you as looking like you were working for Mission Control in 1955. So, um, have you ever worn glasses in your life? No, I've, I've never worn glasses. Maybe I was wearing, like, some Buddy Holly glasses one day or something. Maybe so that was the whole thing. So you were wearing vanity glasses. I don't even remember. I the purposeless class. This no. seems like a thing that you would remember no. doing. And one of those things I don't remember that doing. That you are sort of feigning ignorance about it now just implies to me that, that you are lying. That would be lying. over, like, two... See, I started a couple... And yes, this would be... Time. This would be a whole January, two years March, ago. April. So, basically, you know, yeah, it would be like 
two April, May, June, July, August. So that'd be like two years, four months ago. Do you realize you are simply being asked to remember whether within the last two years you've worn glasses? I, I can't remember. It's that. not like I'm asking you to remember what you remember had for that. lunch. I, I don't remember if I, I wore glasses or not. I mean, it's a possibility, but. All right. Well, in any event. So do you own a pair of fashion glasses? No, I, I don't own any pairs of fashion glasses. No. Right. Well, we'll find What out. would be the point? I don't know. What would be the point of driving around in a limo by yourself just to be seen, Timmy Ryan? I wasn't just to be seen. I was picked up. I, a phone call was made to me, and I was picked up, and I was driven around aimlessly for like five hours. All right. Moving on. Uh, so I think this geek show, I think it's called, what is it called, Beauty and the Gadget or Girl of the Gadget or something? What is um, the, what is the, where did it go, Sarah? I don't know. You, let me read it, because Timmy actually, Timmy apparently can't read it. I can read it. Let me, let me take a stab. I'll read it over here. So this is the thing Chambers was telling me about. Uh, a new dating series based on the notion that boys love their toys will pit girls against gadgets in an attempt to answer the age-old question, uh, da, da 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 girl of the gadget, in a twist on the reality TV staple for lover money, Playboy TV's Gadget or the Girl will make contestants choose between a weekend getaway with a girl or their choice of a surprise high-tech toy. Uh, the gear will range from a 60-inch plasma television uh, to an arcade game machine, but the guy won't know what his prize is until he opts for either the gadget or the girl. Um, so, so the deal is, so it's, so they they will give you the choice. I think you go through the whole thing, and it narrows down like from a whole series of girls or whatever. And at the end, it's kind of like the uh, the let's make a deal, pick behind what's do, you know behind door number three thing. They offer you the choice to either go for a weekend with the girl. Or they'll be like, or we'll give you, like, the mystery gadget behind whatever, which means it could be, like, a 60-inch television or something, huh? which is just, like, the best idea ever. And it's made even better by the fact that it's on Playboy TV. I sort of would think it would be, like, a G4 uh, show. So I think it's what's called... So it's either sex or, like, an iPod? But see, they don't even say sex. It's like, it, 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 you're going away for a weekend with a girl. So, so just... a chance that... Is she a whore? That's the... Yes, yes, Timmy, it's a show stocked with horror. I mean, because if, if you're not guaranteed to get some action, then you got to go for the gadget. But see, that's the thing. Is But here's the thing. With the gadget, some of the gadgets being, uh, being offered uh, will, in fact, include things such as a deodorant-emitting suit. So it could either be a good gadget or a crap gadget. In other words, it could be a television, or it could just be like a thing that you plug into the wall oh, and beeps. Oh, it's kind of like, let's make a deal. Exactly. Ooh, but it's, okay, so they don't know what the gadget is. You don't know what the gadget is. It could either be something right. great, or it could be something, you know, it just could be a thing that makes a whirring noise for no reason. Uh and it, but of course, on the other end of the spectrum, you're going away for a weekend with the girl, but there's really no guarantee that the, you know, that the weekend with the girl is going to come out there. It should be hosted by Louis Anderson or Bob Saget. Is Louis Anderson still alive? I thought oh, yeah, he was dead. He's alive. Oh, you know how he I know? He can't say alive and well, but he's alive. <laughs> you know, he's definitely not you know, well. Um, you know how we, I know he's alive? It's actually the last time I was in Vegas, come to think of it, I saw a big sign, and it was one of those. And because you realize that Vegas is sort of. Vegas is sort of a. Um, it is sort of a parallel universe, Branson, Missouri. You know what I mean? So it's like if you're Bob Ralston, you end up playing in Branson. Uh, if you're Louis Anderson, if you're Rita Rudner, uh, you know, whatever, you know, you end up playing, you know, like the Mirage. Branson is scary. You've been there? I haven't. You know, Branson is one oh, of those places. It's scary as hell. Do you know, how, you know who has his own casino and his own, uh, uh, you know, like his own sort of resort there? Is Yakov Smirnov. He has a casino? He's got, well, not a casino, but we have a lot whole, of gambling there. What do you call it? Like a whole. Uh, a theater. The theater. Like a theater. A, yeah, Yakov a theater Smirnoff, with, right. with attached to yeah, it. Yeah. Is, it is the Yakov Smirnov. Uh, uh, performance theater. He does, I think, four shows a day uh, on the weekend. He does like two shows a day during the week, and he does it seven days a week. And here's what's so great about it, because Yakov Smirnov, who is, of course, a little bit of a generational thing. I think if you were sort of around in the 80s, or if you sort of remember your 80s trivia, you'll remember him. But you know, before or after that, you may not. His whole deal was that he was, uh, you know, a Russian a comedian who was here from Russia, when it was still the Soviet Union. And he had the whole thing about, you know, in Russia, blah, 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 you, where he would just sort of take things and, and invert them. 
but you see the billboard that leads... Uh, the, somebody sent me a picture of this, a guy who was driving through Branson, and this listener stopped to take a photograph uh, of the billboard and sent it to me, and it's great. It's like a three-dimensional billboard, you know, where it's like a billboard with, like, whatever the reverse of concave is, where it's like, you know, it's got this sort of, like... Uh, it's like, like popping out? Yeah, where it's got, like, the three-dimensional plastic Yakov Smirnoff face coming out, and with one hand, he's doing, like, the thumbs up, and with the other hand, he's holding an American flag, and then it just says in big letters... What a country! Yakov Smirnoff Theater, next right. And you kind of go like, God damn, America rules. So, all right, well, anyway, so there's that show. That show is going to be premiering on Playboy TV. Um, I guess it is coming to TV September 1st. There's your, uh, there's your Geek Watch for Friday. My Grab Star's Hammer. On the Rick Emerson the Show. Of War I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Let's go around the, uh, let's go around the room. Best gadget that you own or have seen recently? Anyone? Oh, my favorite gadget that I own is my hot diggity dogger. The hot diggity dogger is pretty mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, I like my iPod. I don't know if that counts as a gadget that's at a, this that's, point. That's damn well a gadget because up until like, you know, five months ago, I was still running like when I ran. When you were running like 16 miles? Well, I was running like 16 healthy. or more miles because I am the healthiest person. I was still using a uh, a CD player and I was using the, the gem over there at the coin tower. And I think Will or one of the engineers saw me with it. And he's like, oh, how quaint. <laughs> the, uh, They're still using a CD player. I mean, you know, the thing is, I actually transitioned. I had the CD player, and then for a while they made that thing. It was like, it was a CD player, but it played CD-ROMs. And so that was sort of like this awkward sort of interstitial stage where it was you could have MP3s, but they were all still on a CD-ROM, which meant that every time you walked, every time the car went through a pothole, it was like, and nothing makes a skipping noise like an MP3 player. When an MP3 starts to skip, that's an unholy sound. It is the thing they sell. They sell this at uh, they sell this at Sharper Image, and I think they sell it in the SkyMall catalog too. And I do believe Aaron Duran actually owns it. It's pretty great. It is well. There's two things. There's one. There's a turntable that actually goes right into your USB, uh, so you can actually and it comes with like a little encoding program, so you can actually take like old vinyl if it's not been released on CD or if it's not been digitized, and it encodes it right to MP3 uh, on your uh, on your uh, PC. The other great thing they actually sell, and I've always been tempted to buy one of these. Only and solely because I have this one mixtape at home, and it's this mixtape that I made. It is, in fact, the only surviving mixtape from all the dozens of them that I made when I was growing up. Uh, And it's probably the best mixtape I ever made. And some of the songs have never come out on CD. Like, I'm pulling, you know, from cassette to cassette, and some of them never came out on CD. And I just live in fear that it's going to vanish someday. And they actually make now a cassette drive for your PC, so it's like you can have, you know, drives, C, you know, they have like C, which is your hard drive, D, which is your CD player, E, e drive, which is your DVD player, and you can now buy a cassette drive, which, again, same thing. You put a cassette, encodes it all to digital format right on your PC. Is it real-time, though? Um, it's real-time, but, I mean, you know, what, what are you going to do? I mean, it's like, you know, it's really the only way to back some of that stuff up unless you want to start running, like, a line in into the back of your computer. So we live in a glorious Real-time time sucks. Real-time sucks, but... You know, it, but some of that stuff, it's just like, there's just no way to, uh, you know, there's no way to back it you know, up. It would be kind of a cool thing with the uh, the record feature where you can put it on, was like 45 and a 78, you can actually put it on the 78 feature and it'll put it on. Uh, it'll Once once you listen back to it, it'll play at the 45. That's feet. probably doable, actually, because then now, like, the scrub feature on some of that audio processing software is sufficient that you could probably, you could probably do that and then, like, pitch it, you know, like, stretch it down. Well, I'm and, saying it's an automatic feature where if you want, you could just, you know, you could... Uh, pick that function, and then it'll play back at the 45 speed. That way, it'll take you know a lot faster to put in. It'll won't take as long to put into your your computer. All right. By the way, two things. One, 
Uh, here's a thing that they ought to come up with. Uh, so the guys who are making that, that USB turntable ought to come up with this sort of addition to it, and this is possible now. They ought to work, because uh, there's that company online where it's like if you, um, like they can identify, uh, you know, like little pieces of songs, little fragments of songs. Like if you don't know what a song is, but you like know the melody or whatever, like you can sing it and it'll track it down. They ought to create some sort of variant on that turntable. So as you are uh, encoding, the t- as you are playing the record and it's being encoded on your computers in MP3, it is actually comparing the actual sound file to an online database so it automatically tags all the songs. That'll be the next great innovation there. That's the first thing. The second thing is this email from Kristen Bowie that says, about Timmy. Timmy Ryan used to be in this rockabilly style that he now denies. He had a picture of himself... He had a picture of himself on MySpace with said glasses. Says Kristen Bowie, who I trust implicitly about such things, by the way. So there but that never happened, right, Timmy? I, you know, it's part of the Maybe I, I remember, remember you were a little rockabilly kid when we, was, you, when we had you on for the porn music. You know, when we were over on the coin tower. Don't you remember, right? I hate that term. You know, I got out of that. I just hated it. And I wasn't really a rockabilly kid back then. I was just kind of like my, my thing. And I just said, F it one day. I can't stand. You were your own man. Take no, it or I mean, leave it. What like, they saw like, is what they got. I like Brian Setzer and I like uh, Rev and Horton Hee, but I just don't like the whole rockabilly scene. They're a bunch of goddamn schnobs. All right. And every every song is about the same thing. By the way, there's no there's no agents in schnobs. I, I no schnob is my term. It has You're been coined by me and only to be used by me unless you want to pay me royalties. I didn't realize you were being ironic. Here's Timmy Ryan. Uh, let's talk about music. Avril Lavigne. Now she apparently is not too sexy. To perform in Malaysia, I'm sure everybody in Malaysia is really happy about it because she's huge over there, I think. The singer recently came under the microscope of the country's Islamic opposition party who wanted to cancel her show because of two sexy stage moves. Despite the group's protests against the August 31st uh, Kuala Lumpur show, Levine tells MTV that the show will go on. She says, and I quote, I've actually been approved by the government to play now. I've already sold 10,000 tickets there. So I will be putting on a concert there for my fans, end quote. Who in the hell over there is going to buy a ticket to Avril Lavigne? Well, I was just going to say, how is it the, I mean... How, how has she sold 10,000 tickets by sell? Do you mean they've given them out in the street? You know, I don't really know, but there really is no accounting for the way that some that some countries sort of function. I mean, you hear about the, the countries where people are just, you know, like, like there's a thing in, in the... Was it the thing in singles? Is it in singles where they're big in Belgium? We are loved in Belgium. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is sort of a weird... You know, like Kiss talks about this a lot, where... You know, the Kiss kind of went through this sort of, in the opinion of many, this kind of artistic downturn in the 80s where they were just putting out like some of the worst music you've Lord ever heard. Music from the Elder? Well, the not elder, even yeah. that. Okay. I mean, they were putting out like this terrible like synth pop. I mean, they, the Kiss was putting out, and I know that there's sort of a small group of people that really sort of, that really do kind of cotton to these Kiss songs. But they were putting out the songs like with titles like She's So European, and there was this song called Torpedo Girl. Lick the, it up. Torpedo Girl, <laughs> which is awful. Um, and they and there's a song called Shandy, and Shandy is this really awful like sub ABBA kind of sort of synth rock pop crap. But you know it's just a terrible song, except in Australia where it was number one for like five years. And so if you listen to uh, Kiss Alive Four, which was taped uh, in Melbourne, Australia, you know they're playing all the normal Kiss stuff, and it's like uh, shout it out loud and strutter and rock and roll all night. But they get to, they get to the, 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 about halfway through the record, and Paul Stanley goes, "Here's a song from 1984 or whatever," and everybody, you, all you hear is the sound of like 200,000 drunken Australians going, ah, 
because they know it's called Shandy, you know, and it's just it's, and it's like Does the song suck. The song Ted blows. It's awful, but you can. T it's like everything they're doing everything but rushing the stage and carrying Paul Stanley out into the streets on their shoulders because they love the song so much. Which you know, God love them. Everybody's allowed to have their own taste, but you know, Malaysia seems like a strange place for Avril Lavigne to really have a stronghold. I mean, where where is Avril Lavigne big? Like I I I challenge anybody to name three Avril Lavigne songs. Skater Boy, uh, Complicated, and uh, Girlfriend. Yeah. Oh yeah, you mean the uh, the Mickey uh, and the uh, Rubino's? Uh, yes. Yeah. That. Cop off. Yeah. Yes. There so that go. that really wasn't her song. Though. I'm just saying. So there you go. Rick, okay. when you get a second, you should check out the Rick Emerson show's default MySpace picture. Why is there an interesting photograph mm -hmm. there? All right. Here's Timmy Ryan. <laughs> Hold on. What is this? I don't know, Timmy Ryan, but too bad you... Come on, you're a newsman, Timmy Ryan. Too Keep bad going. you're busy doing the news. I think we actually might have a Darwin watch here. Uh, now, does it say did Darwin you, did on it? Say it no, no, let, no, me no, read, no. let me see the story. This would be classified Give me the story. Dark. Trust me. Hand it to me. Trust me. No. Look, the words trust me and the word me saying yes are never going to go together. Uh, let's see. Okay, that is a Darwin watch. See? Did you find this and identify it as a Darwin watch yourself without assistance yeah, from others? Yeah, I pulled it off this. I pulled it off the uh, the printer. All right, this almost redeems you for previous failures. All right, Sarah, let's uh, have a Darwin watch for Friday on the Rick Emerson Radio program. I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. Okay, I have to do at least one thing per show to make up for my shortcomings in the previous hours. So here's this. A religious man was eaten after trying to receive a blessing from a crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Bangladesh police say a crocodile killed and ate a 25-year-old after he waded into a pond next to a shrine in an attempt to receive the animal's blessing. Inspector Humayun Kabir said uh, Rubel Sheikh and his mother traveled to the Muslim Khan Jahan Ali Shrine, where hundreds of people visit every day to offer hens and goats to crocodiles living there. Part of the shrine ritual involves bathing in the water with the crocodiles, but devotees <laughs> are very rarely approached by the animals. And this is some quotes. It says, He went into the pond hoping to be blessed when a crocodile attacked him and dragged him into the deep part of the pond. <laughs> this is a very unusual incident. Normally, the crocodiles are very friendly and do not harm people. Who the hell thinks the crocodiles is friendly? Really, I this does sound like any number of uh, this sound, does sound like any number of uh, of like Twilight Zone episodes or sort of X Files episodes where they go to some sort of remote outpost or a village or something, and and the, you know the people who live in the village or the elders are always talking about like the great thing that the thing that walks behind the rose or whatever. And it then, sounds like an onion story. Yeah, exactly. And then there's and then there's you know and then they go there and it's and it's like a velociraptor or something. Yeah, about uh, 25 people dove into the pond to try to rescue. The guy. Oh, that's great. But they cannot find his body, so he gets eaten. <laughs> he gets eaten. Let's dive into the pond where there's a bunch of hungry crocodiles who might now have the same idea. Let's go into, not only that, let's go into a pond uh, now filled with blood uh, that has crocodiles in it. That These seems like a stupid. losing proposition. People seem like they're idiots. Let me also say this. This does remind me a lot of a story we had last year where somebody, and I, I don't even remember where this happened, but there was a guy who had dropped his cell phone into a huge pit of sewage. It was like an outdoor sewage trough. 
and he drops his cell phone in, and I think where the average person would probably say, mm, let it go. He leaned in, tries to get the cell phone, but of course, you can already see this coming, the bank sort of crumbles away under his feet. He falls into the sewage pit, and then not one, not two, but five different people from the area tried to get him out of the sewage pit, and they all fell into the sewage pit, and I think half of them ended up drowning. And really, on the list of ways that you want to die, I would say drowning in sewage right next to a guy who dropped his cell phone. That's somewhere near the bottom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was your Darwin watch for Friday. All right, so um, what is your estimation of whether we should break, Sarah? Um, they were I, estimate, oh, there he is. There's the, that is the warm line. All right. By like, the way, if you want to go to the Rick Emerson Show MySpace page, uh, you will just see a picture of uh, Timmy Ryan kissing a dog. So Really? Uh, where? If you you want might to have go deleted to the, it from your blog, but the Internet saves all. And you realize I did just say where less than 10 seconds ago. All right, it's right what, there. What's the actual address? I can't find it. It is uh, myspace.com slash the Rick Emerson Show. Mm -hmm. Yes, Sarah? All right. So there you go. All right. In mere moments, we will be joined by or not. Oh, jeez. Uh, for the love of... Richie, an area man wants to know what is up with that. He's at the front desk, checking in his hotel right now. He's going to run upstairs, drop his luggage off, and call us. All right, we should take a break. Then. Okay, cool. We'll take a break. Back after this with Weird Al Yankovic. Later on, more from Timmy Ryan. Aaron Duran uh, will be in the studio later on to review Death Race. We'll do the top five. Dennis Pitzenbarger is here. And uh, more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsicality. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on today, Aaron Duran will be here to review uh, Death Race. Uh, we also have the uh, top five coming up today. Top five Guns N' Roses songs you don't hear on the radio, as compiled by the fine folks at Appetite for Deception. Also, if you go to my uh, space page, apparently somebody just posted a picture of thousands of spiders gathered in one place. Okay, can I look now? So look at that and let it haunt your dreams. All right. All right, you're looking at it now? I think I saw a spider bite on my arm from the soapbox derby. Yeah, whatever you do, don't look at this photograph uh, right before you go to sleep. Oh, That's what I'm bad. saying. There you go. All right. Now you'll think about it, too. Have fun with that. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, very rarely uh, do we get to welcome someone to the Rick Emerson Show who is a hero, an icon, a deity, the living embodiment of all that is good and right about human civilization. Such a man joins us now. Will you please welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. He's going to be performing August 25th, 8 p.m. at the Pavilion uh, at the Oregon State Fair. Tickets at Tickets West, the one and only Weird Al Yankovic. Hello, sir. How are you, man? I am fantastic, much more so after hearing the mellifluous tones of your voice, my friend. Why, thank you so much. Um, i got to say a couple things, uh, if I can just nerd out for a moment. Uh, you will, of course, not remember this, what with the worldwide acclaim that is constantly bestowed upon you. But about 12 years ago, uh, you came to Salt Lake City. And you played at some event, I don't remember the name of the venue, uh, but I was sort of a young, hyper, spastic, obnoxious talk show host. And uh, you came into the studio and hung out for a, a long time, actually, and very graciously indulged me as I just sat and sort of ricocheted off the walls uh, with uh, geeky excitement about having you <laughs> on the show. So it's uh, it's a real pleasure to, to talk to you again. Um, so uh, there's a whole lot of stuff. I mean, you just, uh, as the young people say, uh, you've been blowing up because you just got, I mean... You just are an endless spigot uh, of of genius parodies and originals, and we'll talk specifics in, in just a second. I want to ask you a question because I want to clarify something that I think to be true, but maybe I'm fabricating it in my head. 
I seem to remember you saying at one point years ago that you had attempted to parody American Pie for a long time and you were never able to pull it off. And then a few years later, the saga begins, uh, came out. Am I sort of making that up retrospectively? Did you at one point say that you didn't feel like you could parody American Pie? I don't remember having said that. I, I wouldn't swear to, that I hadn't ever said that, but uh, it's not ringing a bell. So that might have been some kind of fever dream you had. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to pass it along as a truth regardless. Okay. It's too interesting to drop. Um, so uh, from, you know, all the way back, another one rides the bus and going even further back to uh, the food in my school cafeteria. I mean... I mean, you've got, what, 28 gold and platinum records and, and seven uh, gold and platinum home videos. And to ask the most obvious question under the sun, I mean, growing up in California, did you ever at any point imagine that it would ever get this big? I mean, what was the biggest thing you dreamed of? Well, actually, the, the you know the pinnacle of my career, I think, so far, um, is pretty much this interview. I think it's all going to be downhill after this. <laughs> that's I the best the answer. And now it's going to be a slow, steady slide to oblivion after this. Good. That's that is. Uh, I'm going to excerpt that, and that's going to go on my demo reel, sir. If it's all the same <laughs> to you. Um, so you start out. You're doing uh, you know, way back when. You're doing uh, another one rides the bus, and I remember seeing you. I think it was was it Tom Snyder. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Wow. And you're on there, and and uh, you know Bermuda Schwartz is back there, and he's like doing the percussion. You, I know you pride yourself on getting uh, sort of gentleman's permission from artists before you do a parody. Was that possible even back then, or did you just have to sort of do it and and hope they hope they weren't angry? Well, back then it was hard to get phone calls returned. Uh, in fact, when the first time we did another one rides the bus, I just did it as a goof for the Dr. Nemeno show. I just recorded it. I didn't even record it, actually. I mean, I, I came up with it one weekend, and I, I was his guest on the show that night. And I said, hey, I got a new song. Can I play my accordion on the air? And I, I just did the show live, did the song live. And um, thankfully, he had a tape recorder running because it became such a heavily requested item uh, that it became a big hit on the Dr. Demano show. And, and the master recording uh, is just the air check of that first live performance. Uh. And, you know, I didn't obviously bother to get permission from Queen at that point because I never thought anything would come of it. And uh, thankfully, they had a good sense of humor about it because I had, I guess, infringed their copyright without, you know, going through the proper legal channels. And they basically said, oh, okay, you, you guys can, you know, do this silly little parody, but you have to give us all the as 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 music has evolved, as pop music has sort of changed over the years, do you find it easier or harder to parody things? Is today's music more or less conducive to that? It's pretty much the same. I mean, you know, music, as you pointed out, is always evolving, and pop culture is always changing. And um, you know, it's it's just a matter of uh, you know being a an excellent leech, somebody that can latch on to whatever's trendy and. And uh, and and lampoon it my own way. Yeah, that's it's you know that that's part of my job description. So you can never really accuse me of selling out because I'm I'm supposed to be shamelessly following trends in pop culture. You know, in addition to that, you do. I mean, you just have a just a raft of originals. We've actually we've done whole sort of top five countdowns on the show of just your original songs. You know, the stuff like wow. that, biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, and you know, and one more minute. And um, do you think that in some parallel universe, uh, you might have made a go as being a sort of more traditional singer songwriter? Is that a thing you ever considered? Gosh, like, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of Garth Brooks' alter ego, the one that was so popular. Chris Gaines. For him. Chris Gaines. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Chris Gaines weird Al Yankovic. I don't know. That's, a, that's, a, that's pretty heady to think about. Did you that, ever, that would make my, my brain explode. Over in your career, have you ever considered just sort of stepping out and, and recording you know, the so-called serious song, serious record? You know, I actually have a whole side career right where I do nothing but uh, smooth jazz. It's uh, I, I, my alter ego is Kenny G. <laughs> um, 
I hear something on it that I have heard, and it goes back to, again, another thing. I don't know if it's true or not. Is it true that occasionally uh, when you're doing a live show, if something maybe is sort of off or the arrangement gets a little hinky or something, you'll actually just sort of you'll scrap it and you'll, you'll do Radio Radio by Elvis Costello? <laughs> Somebody told me that. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually haven't done that yet on, on this leg of the tour, but when the tour started out last year, we had so many technical issues. And you know, it's a very theatrical kind of production, so if one little thing goes wrong, the, the show just kind of implodes. And at that moment, you know, we just have to scramble to, to keep the audience amused, so we, we fall back to, uh, to Radio Radio, which was, you know, it's, just, it's sort of an in-joke. I don't know how many people get the reference from the uh, late 90s. Saturday Night Live appearance, but it, it, it's amusing to the guys in the band. So as you were sort of coming up as a young man, you sort of getting you know your sort of style together, maybe a thing that you know you have obviously been a huge influence on a whole generation of not only musicians and comedians and sort of the confluence of the two. Who influenced you? Who's the guy that the you know the guy or guys that you look and you're like, hey, that's funny stuff. I should be doing that. Well, it was people that I was uh, exposed to through the Dr. Mento show when I was in my early teens. People like Spike Jones and Stan Freeberg, Alan Sherman, Tom Lehrer, Frank Zappa, Sel Silverstein, people like that. Uh, people that did sort of what I do now, but they did it, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, it's always good to hear somebody reference Alan Sherman, by the way. He's, uh, for you know, a lot of ways, kind of one of the one of the lost links uh, there. I remember uh, my dad had the 33, the, the the My Son the Nut album. Oh yeah. Uh, and that was right next to a Child's Garden of Freeberg, and I used to play those over and over again. And it's you know, it, it's sort of a weird, a kind of a common but often hidden thread, uh, I think, with a lot of entertainers or, or comedians or artists. And then fast forward a little bit, and then you hooked up with Rick Derringer, who I know for a long time produced your records. How does and you know the guy who's famous for rock and roll hoochie coo? How does that how does that come together? Where you and Rick Derringer are in the room together? Well, Rick Derringer's manager uh, at the time was a man named Jake Hooker, who, as it turns out, was one of the co-writers for uh, the big Joan Jett hit "I Love Rock and Roll." And uh, back in the days when I was first starting out, I didn't have a record deal. I would still get permission. Uh, to uh, to record these songs, so we approached Jay Cooker as the writer to see if I could do I Love Rocky Road, and he was into it. And in fact, he said, "You know what? Well, I manage Rick Derringer, and maybe maybe he'd be you know interested in producing uh, your your first album." And we had a meeting, and Rick was very cool, and he was into the project. And of course, I was a huge fan of Rick's, and uh, uh, it worked out very well. In fact, uh, Rick wound up producing my first six albums. Uh, we're talking to Weird Al Yankovic. He's going to be at the Oregon State Fair Monday night, August 25th, 8 p.m., OregonStateFair.org, the pavilion, tickets at Tickets West. Uh, as, we, as we sort of get ready to wrap this up, I, you, you've had such a, a varied career in terms of the styles that you've done. You've done originals, parodies, style parodies. Of all of those, uh, up, you know, up to, you know, white and nerdy, which is just, as, as they used to say, a stone classic. What would you say is hands down the most popular, the most requested song? And people go and they're like, Al, can you please play whatever? Well, there, there are several songs. There's probably a half a dozen songs in our live show uh, that we kind of have to play. People will be uh, running out into the street and screaming and gnashing their teeth and renting their garments uh, if we did, if we didn't play those songs. Uh, uh, White and Nerdy and Amish Paradise and Yoda and Smells Like Nirvana and Fat. And, uh, you know, uh, and I still love playing those songs. I never get tired of them. I, I think my biggest hit at this point um, is probably White and Nerdy because it's my first first ever top ten hit, actually. So I, I'm no, I'm officially no longer the eat it guy. I am the white and nerdy guy. Thank you very much. Um, and you know, and you, your stage show. You mentioned fat. Your stage show is always fantastic. Costume changes and sort of video presentations. And I, uh, I have no doubt that you, uh, you will, you will blow minds again uh, this coming Monday. So. 
Um, just uh, in closing, I will say that, you know, you've made a big impact on a lot of people. And as I, I say a lot on the show that, you know, it, entertainment really is a, uh, it is a, it is a rare, precious, and very valuable thing. So for giving people laughter and entertainment and amusement and all of that, you know, I, I'm a big believer in taking your fun seriously. So kind of thank you for everything you have contributed to, uh, to the world and way of laughter, my friend. Wow. Well, thank you. I appreciate right. that. Uh, the website is weirdal.com. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic, this coming Monday, the Pavilion, August 25th, 8 p.m., the Oregon State Fair. Tickets at Tickets West. Best of continued success in music, in life, in everything. Uh, thank, thank you, you very so much, much, my friend. Thank you, Al. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, Weird Al Yankovic. Fantastic. Uh, Richie, can you talk to uh, Al there? He's on the warm line. Can you do that and make sure that... Thank you. I can All always right. tell him you're nervous because you talk even more so than you usually do. Yeah. I know. What are you going to do? Well, it was good. Weird Al. He's a genius. He is a genius. As soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, my God, it's him. That's so cool. It's him. I mean, and you know what? And he, He's so great. He does. He gives... I'm just going to sit and gush afterward. He's so great that he gives the, the best... He gives that great combination of real answers and funny answers. Mm -hmm. You know, like his alter ego is... Kenny G or whatever. Uh, you know, but then he tells the great story about how he met Rick Derringer and how he got the, you know, another one rides the bus, which I remember seeing that, uh, you know, the Tom Snyder show where it's Weird Al singing this and it's just Weird Al and this guy, John Bermuda Schwartz, who's a drummer. I didn't even think he had drums. I think he was hitting a suitcase. Bermuda I think it was, Schwartz? His name is John Bermuda Schwartz. And he would, he was, like Pat Smear. Exactly. And he was sitting there and I think he had drumsticks and a suitcase and he was like drumming on a suitcase and Al's up there with his accordion. And he's another one rides the bus, and he's doing his whole. And I remember sitting there going, like, "What is this? <laughs> what am I seeing?" And uh, are you, you going to go check him out on Monday? Absolutely. Oh man, are that's you kidding me? I'm kind of bummed out about it. I'm not oh, gonna dude, see it. I have to tell you. I mean, not to rub it in, but I uh, and I just sort of t told the story a second ago. But I mean, the, the one time I've seen Al, uh, it was in Utah, and I remember the name of the venue. Uh, but we'd had him on the show. And I got to tell you this, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to keep going on about me and the old interview I did with him because he didn't. You know, he doesn't remember. He does a million interviews, but I will say, I'll tell you this. Um, I was talking to. Uh, well, I suppose I can say this. I was talking. I was talking to uh, to Timmy Ryan and Kristen Bowie yesterday because you know they do musicology, mm. uh, which is on Sunday nights, and they're you know they're a couple weeks into it, and you know we were talking about you know what what sounds good, maybe what needs to be you know polished a little bit, which is you know, and it's a great show. It really is. It's musicology seven to nine. Uh, Sundays, right here with uh, Kristen Bowie and Timmy Ryan. And Tommy, you know, kind of what goes well and maybe what needs to be augmented a little bit. And, you know, it's all that, you know, all that stuff Bruce used to do with us. And I was telling him how, in my opinion, what you really need to do always, here's the deal with a guest. With a guest, you always book for like five minutes or ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And then if it goes really well, you know, you can always say, hey, you want to stick around. So underbook, over deliver? Exactly. Because if you book a guest for like an hour, and then they suck, which is sometimes the case, especially if it's an in-studio guest where they just drone on and on. You're like, Jesus, what is this guy doing? You know, you can always, you know, it's hard to kick them out. But so if you're booking a guest on the show in radio, the deal is they always tell you, you book them for like 10 minutes. At the end of 10 minutes, if the interview is great and you feel like there's a lot more to do, you always just say, hey, it's going great. Can you stick around? And if you ask them on the air, like 90% of the time, they don't want to say, they won't say no on the air. And so they'll stay. Um... And, but I didn't know that uh, when I was sort of a younger man. And, I mean, I got into radio, and I got into talk radio really young. I mean, I started in talk radio when I was, I mean, I was like 20 or something. And, I mean, just like, wait, wait. I mean, I just had no idea what it was doing. Like, wait, I was way too young to be given that responsibility. It was like giving a, it was like giving me, like, whiskey and car keys. I mean, it was just a terrible idea. But they did it. And I had this thing where when I would book a guest, like an idiot, they'd go, hey, how long do you want so-and-so in the studio? And I'd go, oh, the whole show. Just why? Why would you do that? Because you don't know any better. Mm -hmm. And so there were these, like, awkward interviews where, Jesus, like, I booked, I'm going to talk about a bad interview. I booked Candace Gingrich, who is Newt Gingrich's unlikable lesbian sister. 
Uh, you booked her for the whole show. And I only mentioned the lesbian thing because that was her whole shtick, is that she's like, she was the sister of Newt Gingrich, who at that time was a real player, and she was gay and real liberal and real angry and just, I don't want to say she was like a man-hater, but she just it was a person-hater. She was an angry, mean little woman. And uh, But like, and it, can we book her for the whole, and it's like, what am I going to talk to Candace Gingrich about? For like 90 minutes, like, what am I, you know, what are you going to do with it? The answer is you're going to flail and suck and be bad and boring. But I never learned my lesson. And so, like, same thing, Boy George comes on. You think of a media interview with Boy George, I mean, especially in 1986, when at that point, Boy George was, you know, his career had faded a little bit, but the retro thing hadn't happened yet, so he was in this awkward in-between stage. Can I have him for two hours? What am I going to ask Boy George for two hours in 1996? So, uh, what kind of soup do you like? I mean, it's just, it was terrible. So you fast forward a little while to Weird Al. How long do you want Weird Al? And I'm like, oh, the whole show. And, I mean, I almost just thought I was on crack or something because, you know, who requests somebody for the whole show? So, God bless him, though. He came in, and he sat for the better part of three hours oh, in the so studio with me. Oh, so you in the studio. So you he met was him. in the studio. Yeah, when, when he came to Utah, he was in the studio with me for the How better. How old were you? 21. Oh, jeez. 22. Well, what year would it have been? Uh, 95, 96. So I would have been maybe 22. Um, and he was in the studio with me for the better part of three hours. Which, in retrospect, it's amazing and, like, unbelievably cool of him that he did that because I was I sucked and I was terrible. I mean, it was an even worse interviewer than I usually am now. And I was just, you know, and as Tim said, I used to be just really wound up, just, like, bouncing off the walls and just, like, sweating and just terrible. and You know, but uh, but he was really, really cool. And taller, and people came by the stage. They were gathered outside, you know, like dozens of people outside the building waiting for his autograph, and he was completely cool with it. I mean... So, anyway, he's a cool guy, great guy. Go see him on Monday. I saw him that night, though, in Salt Lake, and he did, I mean, he did probably five costume changes. They did a costume change for Fat. They did a costume change for Smells Like Nirvana. They did a costume change for, um, Jesus, what else was it? They did a costume change for, um, for um, I think, for another one, Rides the Bus. I think they did, like, a whole bus driving thing. So, video presentations, movie clips, mod- it was really, really great. So, that is Monday. Weird Al Yankovic. Go see him. Uh, let's take a break. We come back. Did you want to play the song that we yes. initially Yes, I do. About? When we come back, we'll talk to Dennis Pitzenbarger. they got the Miles Around uh, uh, listener event happening tomorrow with Appetite for Deception. So we'll talk to Dennis when we return. Aaron Geek in the City Duran is going to be here. He'll talk about Death Race. We'll do the top five and more. Stay there. It is the Rick Emerson radio program right here on AM 970. Don't go anywhere. I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain I take a look at my wife and realize she's very plain But that's just perfect for an Amish like me You know I shun fancy things like electricity At 4.30 in the morning I'm milking cows Jebediah feeds the chickens and Jacob plows Fool and I've been milking and plowing so long that Even Ezekiel thinks that my mind is gone I'm a man of the land, I'm into discipline Got a Bible in my hand and a beard on my chin But if I finish all of my chores and you finish thine Then tonight we're gonna party like it's 
Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on KCMD Portland, a proud part of the CBS Radio family. It's 503-733-2970. All right. Uh, thanks again to uh, Weird Al, who uh, was just on the phone with us. Uh, he's going to be, this coming Monday, he'll be performing the Oregon State Fair, the Pavilion, tickets at Tickets West. Uh, friends and neighbors. It's 503-733-2970. Um, all right. A couple emails. Uh, then, uh, Jesus, we've been doing that thing of neglecting the callers all day, too. You know, we were doing so well this week. We were doing like the, the all calls answered uh, with uh, all calls answered within 10 minutes, you know, and then and then I just started to backslide. I was out and they pulled me back in. Uh, so we'll uh, try to get some calls coming up in the next hour. We'll do these emails. We're going to welcome Dennis Pitsenbarger in just a moment. Aaron Duran will join us in the studio next hour to talk about two things, Death Race and the uh, attempt to rename 42nd Avenue Douglas Adams Boulevard. I should have mentioned that to Weird Al. We could have gotten a celebrity endorsement for that oh, cause. Yeah. All right. Well, in any event. Um the hell was I saying? Oh, we'll do the top. we got to get that top five done today. Top five songs, uh, top five Guns N' Roses songs you will more than likely not hear on the radio, as compiled by the good folks in Appetite for Deception who are actually playing Dennis Pitsenbarger's event. Let me read these emails. Rick, this is frustrating me because it's one of those things that's tickling my brain. Subject line of this email, lyrics. This is from Jennifer. Jennifer says, Rick, you played a song going into break the other day, and I was wondering if you recall the title and the artist. Now, normally people say, hey, what was that song you just played? And I ignore it because there's no way you could possibly. But she quotes me some of the lyrics here. The lyrics of this song include the phrases, Waiting for my love to return. I don't know why I try to keep this hope alive. This loneliness it cuts. End quote. And here's the thing. I know the song, but I can't come up with the song. Say it again. The lyrics are. The lyrics she quotes here, and I Googled them, so don't ask. Waiting for my love to return. I don't know why I try to keep this hope alive. This loneliness it cuts. I know it, and I know the song. It's on, as Hoyt Axton used to say, the tip of my brain. And I cannot, and I know somebody's going to go, well, dude, of course, that's, and then I'm going to hit myself in the head and go, Arr. so, in any event. So if you know what the hell song that is, email, because I've forgotten. Uh, let's see, what else? Let me read one more here. Uh, what, what, do you want to hear this? Do you want to hear? It wouldn't be nobody, would it? No. No, no, I can't. And the okay. thing is, I know it, and I can't remember it. What do you want to hear? Do you want to hear funny cop email, a uh, question about turning 30, or a weird boyfriend email? Weird boyfriend email. From this is name. from Laura. Uh, not my wife. This is from Laura. Subject line, consider it a gift. Rick, it's pathetic, but my boyfriend is your number one fan. Thanks so much. Thanks for that. Seriously, Rick, you trump me for number one spot on MySpace. Every day starts with, Rick said, and I think he dreams of your face when we're making love. Nonetheless, I have a reluctant crush on you, and I sometimes even enjoy your show, despite the fact that you're keeping me... I'm really only reading this not because it's all about me, but because it's full of great phrases, such as, despite the fact that you're keeping me from emotional victory in my relationship, I want to share something with you. And then she sent me like a link to a website or whatever. So she sent me a link to, I swear to God, a spoken word poem about Airwolf. So it really was only worth reading for the phrase... Rick, you are keeping me from emotional victory in my relationship. You don't understand how many people I meet in my life that have man crushes on you. Well. How many people have dated that have man crushes on you? It's like a reverse Midas touch. Somebody actually at the soapbox derby came up to me and said, I have a crush on Rick's brain. Was this a man or a woman? It was a man. It was a man, of course. Why do I even have that? No, it's it's always a man. It's always, always a man. No, look, and here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, We love all of our listeners. It's good. You know, you know. No problem. No, everyone always asks me whenever I go up. Hey, do you think Rick would like this? What do you think Rick is? I'm like, I'm, oh my god. I'm just, no, I'm just saying. It's when we were at the soapbox derby, Davy, Davy Nipples was there, and I was talking to Davy, and um, and we were we were walking along, and uh, this guy came up, and I, he'd had a couple, I think, and, you know, even it was only like 10:30, but he was a little lit, 
and a guy sort of comes lurching off the sideline, you know what I mean, sort of off the little side path, and he comes up and he goes, Riverson! Grabs me, and like a full, sweaty, like, man hug, so much so that, like, like my shirt was actually soaked by the end of the hug because he was just like grabbing me and holding me close, and, and Dave, the guy and the guy sort of goes like, ever and it like lurches off into the shrubs. He leaves. Davey Nipple goes, hey, he's he got hugged by a dude, and I said, Davey, it happens all the time. It's always dudes, which is fine. You know what? As David Cassidy said, you know, there's, there's nothing, ain't nothing wrong with that. You take take adulation from either side of the aisle, but it's always dudes. You know what always happens to me every time I go out there? Like, so what's Rick like in real life? Yes. They're talking like that. I'm like, he is exactly how he sounds. I am like, white and nerdy. That is exactly who he is. I'm like, God, stop talking to me. To be- <laughs> I don't mean to be an ass, but seriously, when someone's just accosting me and asking me hundreds of questions about you, if you're listening and you do that to me, please don't. Yeah. Let me live my life. Well, you know what? That's you okay. Write, write Rick questions about himself. That's okay. You could be my wife who the other day met a listener who came up and he goes, I just want to thank you, Lara, for tolerating Rick. And then just sort of walked off. And she's like, I don't even know how to feel about that. Good, bad, sad for my life. How? That's good. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Miles Around Radio, airing on this very fine radio station, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Saturdays, uh, and hosting a a big listener throwdown shindig, hootenanny soiree tomorrow. Dennis Pittsburgh. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I am fantastic. I, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is several people per day actually walk up to my wife and say... Is there a weird hollowness happening with his microphone? Are both of those mics maybe on? Maybe, should I switch to this one? No, just that one better. It sounds like there's a weird hollowness with that. Is that one better? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's better. A lot. All okay. right. That's no, great. Now the problem is switch. That's wonderful. okay. All right. Uh, we still, I still love Matt. Um, the uh, several people per day walk up to my wife and say the same thing, except for instead of just once in a while, it's just. It's kind of a, a daily ritual that people walk up and say, Brandy, thank you for tolerating Dennis. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I suppose the diamond ring helps. Well, that's, uh, you know, yeah, and I keep shoving toys in the garage, and you know, I started going racing now uh, on four wheels. And Is that a euphemism? You keep shoving toys in the garage? Uh, not toys in the attic. That would have been a habit back in the 80s, but toys in the garage as in race cars into the garage. Is that like when Ted Nugent talks about... Parking his Ferrari in that garage up ahead? Uh, no. No, it wasn't a Ferrari. It was a Maserati. That's Maserati. what it was. Maserati. No, I wasn't making a sexual reference. I was just uh, right. uh, making a point that my wife tolerates my uh, bad automotive habits. But I actually feel it's pretty nice to be back here in the studio with you guys. I mean, I missed... Uh, I missed you for a while there, and then I didn't, and then Let's I realized talk. I wanted to come back. And I, you missed us, and then you didn't miss us? Well, because I never, I didn't have a chance to talk to you regularly. That's why I stopped missing you, and then I realized for a minute there, wait, I do miss you. So I wanted to come back. Really? If you're going to keep talking like this, you're going to have to start paying me by the hour or something, because this is like straight talk. On. I got to This is, it's like, I, I'm not going to... This is a bunch of new ink. I got a, oh yeah, I got a I bunch of new ink. Ink. receiving end of a big shrink. Thing. I got so ten what, bucks. That's all. Uh, what is it? What do you on your arm? Um, a huge tattoo. Well, I decided to get a sleeve, and I have to say, a I, sleeve is like the tattoo that it goes for like your whole arm. It's all the way up over my shoulder. Um, it was. Uh, I have to give big digs to Infinity Tattoo off of big, Lombard. Big what? Digs. Oh. Like, uh, props. Okay. Whatever. Pimp them. Uh, Tyler over there drew this incredible drawing that I came with. Came up with it was kind of a squiggle of automotive. I don't know what it was. It was kind of like a. Is it uh, like a collage? What is it? Well, what it is is this is a big bird catcher, which is the top of a dragster, like where the air goes in with the three slots. Right. Oh, yeah, that thing. Okay. okay. And then these are the pistons. This is like a smoke-filled circle here. And then these are all the flags. And then underneath here are gears. 
And then this is a gear shift. You know what it is? Here's the thing. You know what you're getting on your right arm? You are getting the automotive equivalent of that Denver airport mural on the wall with the Nazi and the baby. That's exactly what it is. It's a whole pastiche of things. I would like to think that I didn't... Nothing on my arm says gas chamber. You know, here's the thing about this tattoo. This tattoo, I don't know if this is your intended purpose or not, but this tattoo is one of those things that you get and it has the, it's like when you're on a diet and you do this thing where you need a diet and if you drop a size or, you know, dress size or whatever it is, they do, they say this thing, this great thing that when you, when you drop the size, you're supposed to get rid of all your old clothes. You know what I mean? Like if you're a large, if you can get down to a medium, you get rid of the large clothes, you throw them away. Oh, I, because I... then there's like no road back, you know, you have to stay thin because you got rid of all your, all your fat clothes. This is to ensure that you never get like a like a straight nine to five cubicle job again, isn't absolutely. it? That's what this tattoo is this, for. This is absolutely. I always wanted a Harley. I got one. I always wanted a race car. I got one. I uh, I promised myself that I would never work in a cubicle again, so I uh, pretty much maxed out one of my credit cards to do this. So uh, it, it was. What, the problem with this is I have to say that uh, they put up with me because as I started going up my arm, the pain started getting to me. As I started going under the arm and towards the wrist. Um, that's when I was uh, taking substances that uh, I shouldn't have, and they threw me out because they knew I was getting a little loopy. I couldn't take the pain. I wimped out. I mean, a lot of people can sit down in a chair and just do tattoo work for hours. I, I couldn't do it. All I right. wimped out. By the way, we're, let's, in a second, we're going to talk about the you think coming up tomorrow. Then we're going to bring in Aaron. We'll talk Death Race. I am so excited about this movie. You have no idea. We've been doing our car wars where we pit car against car. We've been doing that for three weeks, all accumulating up to, hopefully, now that Aaron is so famous, him coming back to Miles Around. Uh, and then we'll do the uh, Top 5 Guns N' Roses songs, never get played on the radio, as picked by Appetite for Deception, we're going to be performing. Timmy Ryan will come back. Okay, so I've had the song clarified, and now, of course, as I predicted, I feel like a tool for not knowing it. It's the Dry County Crooks. It's Oh, Mary Joe, I Wish I Never, uh, oh. which is the lead-off track on the album, The One That Got Away, I say, trying to prove that I'm a fan. Uh, it is, that's... That's what it is. It's the because uh, we play that as a bump and do a breaks. Uh, and the, the thing that was throwing me off was is that it I couldn't. Uh, it cuts like a knife. And God, just and we knew that. Well, but you know me that I'm not. I mean, I, I don't mean any disrespect to you know anybody who writes lyrics, but I'm more of a melody guy. I mean, the melody is always the thing that gets me. So seeing it on a piece of paper, no melody, I couldn't. It was like. I know that, but I can't. And of course, I had no. It's one thing if somebody comes up and they go, "Hey, what's that song that goes da 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 ba na na nuwa?" Like I can usually get that. Lyrics on a piece of paper without context, I have nothing. Uh, so if you're listening, Jennifer, that song is "Oh Mary Joe, I Wish I Never" by the Dry County Crooks. It's on the album "The One That Got Away," available on Blue Collar Heart Records. All right, very very nice plug. I like All right, that. let's talk. Uh, let's talk a bit about your event, and then we're going to bring in Aaron Duran. Uh, well, it is the Miles Around Listener Party. It starts tomorrow about two o'clock. That's when it kind of kicks off, and we'll have uh, everything from a beer garden, the Rose City Rollers. There'll be 15 or 20 of them out there. We're going to support them. They're giving away a bike uh, for raffle tickets. We've got Tour de Force, the uh, band with Adam and uh, Timmy Ryan, the uh, CBS, my fellow CBS. It is. Uh, it's Adam. Uh, it's Adam from the Pimp Squad. Timmy Ryan, Don Sloan from Traffic, and Greg Van Nibbler. Nibbler. Uh, from the street team. Yes. Uh, was last name Van Nibbler? No, it's just Nibbler. No, but uh, I think the band was called. Well, I told you when I went to see with the Tonic. They, so they were called. They were. I can't say it on the air, but they were called. Well, um, it was Adam and something that you can't say. Well, their well, their original name was a rearranging of the KUFO call letters because they work for KUFO to some, you know, to some degree. Oh. They had rearranged the call letters KUFO, and I think Chris Paddock. It took about a second and a half to say, why don't you cut the S and not do that? Uh, so then they were called Tour de Force. So then I show up at the Tonic, and I go, hey, I'm, you know, you know, whatever. Here's my ID. And you guys like, five bucks. Who are you here to see? And I said, uh, Tour de Force? And he goes, oh, you mean Van Nibbler. 
And I said, what? And he goes, uh, they're called that Van like Nibbler. Now, wait a minute. I just no, came up with no, a logo for them. No, here, the, no here's the thing. So they work up. So the guy did. I was like, no, no, no. They're called, they used to be tour de force and like used to be meaning like 20 minutes prior. Now they're called Van Nibbler. But by the time they went back on stage, they were tour de force again. Uh, so which is a great name. A name so great, it's undoubtedly taken by like, you know, another band. But, you know, what are you going to do? So they're playing. And then what else is happening? Well, we got that. Hot Rod Carl, really cool rockabilly band. Uh, they've played at like uh, uh, several different uh, events around Portland. And, of course, there'll be all the drinking and partying and gift giving. And we are going to give away a, a go-kart. I've been uh, pimping it for about six months. If you go to milesaround.com, there's an entry form. You can win an actual gas-powered little go-kart. It's all stickered up and ready to go. You can have your own little race car. You can just enter. We're going to give that away. And then Appetite for Deception will play. They're going to start about 9.30. And one of the nice things is Timmy came up to me, and I emailed kind of an itinerary what was going on Saturday. He's like, dude, we're playing at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, well, I just... That's a, that's a, that's a plum slot, Timmy. Well, I, you know, he said, what about uh, playing a little later? Sorry, Timmy, I get my stuff out of here. No, I'm just looking for my cell phone. Oh, I don't have that. I got a couple of them. But your I've cell phone's here. missing. What could possibly go wrong? Uh-oh, do you need to call Shelly? Do you need no, to delete no, some incriminating no, no. photos? No, no, no. Well, anyway, so we're going to move them back a little bit. It should just be, it should be a good time. 5.30. We'll have a Tour de Force or Van Nibbler, depending on uh, sh- who shows up. i got to say this. Uh, you really here's the, thing about, here's the thing about that band. Um, it, they're really worth seeing, A, because I haven't seen because the one time I saw them, Timmy was, you were what, you were in Sweet Home, right? You weren't around? Is my mic on? So yeah. they were like, they were being like the power trio, you yeah, know? Yeah, um, and then and I get to play some drums in this set. So. I got to say that, uh, first of all, Adam's Adam's not a bad guitar player yeah, really, at all. Yeah. He's, a, he's a great guitar player, good singer. He's got kind of a cool stage vibe. And they did a really, really great version of Cat Scratch Fever right into a Ween song, which isn't really like a combination you're going to hear anywhere else. So well, it's I worth see, seeing for that. I'm really excited about seeing them for one thing. I see these guys on Saturday morning. Timmy's coming off a midnight shift. He's half asleep. Adam looks like the living dead most of the time when he's walking around. He always looks like the living dead, though. Oh, well, okay. He looks like ass all the time. Okay, well, I just wanted to, I want to see him, like, alive and awake, so it should be interesting. And of course, it's probably the only time you'll never have to pay a cover to see Appetite for Deception. Yeah, that so. will be the kickoff of the evening. Uh, let's do a couple calls, and then uh, Aaron Duran, if you want to join us in the studio, we'll talk uh, Death Race, and we'll get an update on the rename 42nd. Uh, the campaign which is going on, so it's uh, lots to do. We still got to do the top five. Uh, more news from Timmy Ryan at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I still have this thing where I wanted to go. I, went, I needed to go through that big box of pornography that's up in the office for reasons that I can't really talk about. Right? It's the whole. It's, you have another big box of pornography. Dude, you don't even know. Uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. This is Sarah from Puerto Rico. Sarah from Puerto Rico. How are you doing? I'm doing very well right, all right now. So- I just wanted to let you know. I get a bad, just, let me just back up for a second. So, Sarah from Puerto Rico, uh, it, when we were doing the Emerson Address, which happened on 888 a couple weeks back, uh, which is where we're trying to get all the radios, all the speakers, everything tuned to this, uh, to this, to this station, this show, we were gonna, we, we broadcast a sort of address to the whole world. You had sent the greatest email where you're like, I work in a 10-story office building. There's 425 offices. I'm gonna wire every one of them so that the Emerson Address beams into the offices here in Puerto Rico. So, my question to you is, how did it shake out? It went, of flawlessly. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the reaction from your coworkers, colleagues, what have you? Um, first of all, th- that countdown, did you, did you consider that people might think that there was a bomb about to go off? Uh, I hadn't really thought about that, but uh, that's one of those things that, in retrospect, maybe I'm glad I didn't consider. No. Yeah, because there were a lot, of, uh, a couple of uh, people that mentioned that, like, Oh my God! Is something going to go off? Sort of people, people hiding underneath their desks, sort of duck and cover style. Yeah. So, did you get? Would you say the reaction was generally a positive, 
B, negative. C, confused. Mostly confused. Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. But by the end of their address, there were a lot of people smiling because you, you caught them at a good time. Um, most people were gathering their things to start the weekend. Excellent. But so I, I was able to help them. perfect way. Yeah. I was able to put a smile maybe on their faces as they headed out to enjoy the Puerto Rican weekend. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, right now, they still don't know what happened. <laughs> But that didn't stop them from having a good time. Let me just ask: Am I going to have? Am I going to have no choice but to come to Puerto Rico and just start shaking hands there so people start listening? <laughs> All right. Well, um, done and done then. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that that will work. Well, Sarah, as always, thank you for helping to spread the word in Puerto Rico. It is always appreciated. Uh, All right. Enjoy right, your weekend, so sister. My pleasure. Right. Can I can I mention one more thing? Yes. Um, I'm a big fan of the Portland band. Cleveland. Yes. And they're having their CD release party for Harder today, tonight, actually at Dante's. So I encourage everybody that can make it there to go because they put on a great live show. This is really what makes Portland fantastic is that the people will actually call in from places like, oh, I don't know, the Congo or Puerto Rico to promote things that are happening hundreds of miles away. How many miles away from Portland are you? 3,682. Wow. Well, I have no concept. I'm an, I'm, I'm an idiot American. I have no idea where anything is. That is really impressive. All right, Sarah, thank you so much. You call us anytime. Thank you, There guys. you go. Love Sarah in Puerto Rico, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Jesus. Uh, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. I say vamping for just a moment so that I can find the theme that I know he gave me that I swore to God I was going to put into the system so I would then have it to play, he says, further filling for time. Right here. There we go. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from GeekInTheCity.com, Film People Radio, the one and only Aaron Duran. Hello, sir. Hello, citizens. How is life? Life is fantastic because I have a bag of tin jalapeno chips. You know, those things are fantastic. Also, oh. it's pronounced jalapeno. I say I, I like saying jalapeno. You know, when you say jalapeno, your ancestors turn in their graves. Well, you probably your living relatives turn in their graves. <laughs> what's left of them? Your, your, your mother, <laughs> if you, when you say jalapeno, if you listen really, really carefully, you can hear your mother weeping. Thank well, did I raise you so badly? One of many reasons why my mother openly weeps when she hears me speak. Well, I suppose. That's right. Uh, all right, so, uh, well, Dennis is here, so let's talk, uh, let's get right to it, talk Death Race. Yeah, Mario is... Kart, the movie. Okay, am I, am I, mis, as George Bush might say, am I misunder-remembering, is, was the original Death Race Sylvester Stallone? Yeah. Yes. And okay, that's what I okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, which and I haven't, man, I haven't seen the original forever and it's ever and ever. Good. I mean, it holds up as well as a Corman film can hold up. Yeah, you know, it's no Carnosaur. Yeah, well, what is really? Yeah. Uh, so, so the, I mean, there's like with so many things, there really was no one demanding a remake of Death yeah, Race, and yet, not. and yet here it is. Yeah. So, I mean, first off, you have to get uh, Roger Corman is listed as an associate producer, which means one thing: getting a check. He got a check, and really, what? More says Roger Corman than getting money for zero work. You know what? Uh, Roger Corman is the author of a great book called How I Made a Hundred Movies and Never Lost a Dime. Yep. This is how. That's one of the ones that's on any any uh, budding filmmaker should read that one, and should read the Lloyd Kaufman one. Shut up and make your own damn movie. Absolutely. <laughs> so how did uh, David Carradine and his uh, his representative work out? Who cares how David Carradine worked out? He's doing Yellow Book commercials now. Do you think he has any pride left? How dare you say that? He was one of the original characters of Death Race. No, Dan, he's not a... Now, he's not in this, though, is it? Uh, He's got a tiny... Do you want me to give it away? I'm not going to see it. I don't care. I mean, yeah, spoilers and Seriously, there's a movie called Death Race. What can I spoil? We're about to spoil a movie where the whole thing is driving around and smashing into people until they're dead. The end. He has 30 seconds of voiceover work. Really? Yeah. 
he plays Dr. Franken. He plays Frankenstein at the very beginning, right before Frankenstein dies. I bet he, Spoilers literally, he literally phoned it in. Oh, right yeah, the totally. ISDN, right? You oh, know? totally, yeah. because you can't even tell it's him until the credits. And in the credits, it says, you know, voice of David Carradine. That's fantastic. Oh, All right. So, uh, I mean, you know, is it worth seeing? If you're with a bunch of your dude friends and you're hammered at home, it's going to be a great time. It's, right. a, it's another one of those beer movies where you can just mock it. The thing is that they could have just taken the concept of Death Race and just show 40 minutes of cars driving around, shooting each other, going explosions, blood, guts, but they didn't. They could have made it automotive porn. Yeah, and which they really, first off, all the cars look, they look all, I mean, they're all different models, but like in the original Death Race, cars had different colors and they were shooting right. fire. These ones are all like a gray. Right. You know, except well, they're for, all like prison cars. They all have like, I mean, there's a lot of different, yeah, there's some, they, they pick some interesting cars. They have the no, Ram. they pick some great cars. They just all are painted the same. It's like they had one can of paint for all of their cars. Well, they, except for Jason Statham's Mustang, they gave it one red stripe. Right. So it's a, it's a whole lot of bad primer gray. Yeah. Here's the biggest problem. And this is all because Paul Davis Anderson is a complete hack when it comes to filmmaking. Oh, yeah. He couldn't just set the camera down. He couldn't just study NASCAR tapes and see how they right. film a race. Does the camera he, whirl around? It does endlessly? tons of whirls, and it does dozens and dozens and dozens of jump cuts inside the car. So you see lots of scenes of like Jason Statham squinting at Tyrese as he's being passed in his Dodge pickup. You see lots of shots of them shifting and, and turning and, and hitting buttons. Instead of just watching the cars go at it and just beat the ever-living crap out of each other, right. that would have made the film a little more redeemable. The only thing that makes it even moderately humorous for me is that um, the the movie has power-ups. What do you mean? You know, like in Mario Kart oh, yeah. or like in racing games, yeah. you drive over something, boing, and yeah. it activates a power. That's how they get their weapons turned on. They have to drive over power-ups. Excellent. And part of me is like, all right, screw it. You made Twisted Metal. Fine. Well, there's, okay. no that. there's two things uh, about this movie that I'm sort of uh, cautiously optimistic about. And they're not about the movie itself. One is that maybe if this is even moderate, I mean, if it, if it makes dollar one at the box office, that they will maybe make a Spy Hunter film, which I would almost see. I think they were already doing it. No, really? And Paul Davis Anderson was slated to be on it, and he got kicked off. I think The Rock is the, is the oh. star. You know, you get the feeling it'll somebody mock Dwayne Johnson too. No, no, but I mean he's the wrong he's the wrong guy for that character. I agree with Rick. Spiner would be a great film. I mean, if they did it like sort of Max Payne style, you know? Oh yeah, totally. You know, but it's funny. Somebody did that thing. There was a thing they did like in the dot com sort of boom era, like maybe two thousand, two thousand one, with somebody like the New York Times or somebody. They took like the Merriam-Webster dictionary, and they were trying to figure out what percentage of words in the dictionary followed by like dot com had been registered as and it was some it was like sixty percent. Yeah. Like sixty percent of the words in the dictionary had been registered as domain names. You can almost do that now with like you know what they ought to make a movie out of is and then like insert nostalgic property from the eighties and like it's been done or it's being remade. Right, yeah, I do believe and, Spy, uh, Spy Hunter is in the pipeline. All right, so so either so that and if if Death Race is successful at all at the box office, what they might do is maybe you know and I'm surprised this doesn't exist already, is like some sort of uh, Discovery Channel, G4, whatever, like real life, full on, actual car wars show. I don't where know it, it, where it's like BattleBots, but with cars. They've done it. But I mean, uh, but, but really to the level that they do it in Death well, Race? Well, not to the level of Death I mean, no one I mean, I want cars with weapons. No, literally, they used to have garage wars or uh, junkyard wars. I do remember junkyard yeah, wars. Yeah, but they had to build their own car out exactly. of, like, a dumpster or something. You want machine guns. No, no, no. I want. I'm, I, garage wars was interesting because uh, wasn't the deal with that, like, they would give you. Twelve hours. Well, also, but, but the thing they is, give you a time. You had a team. You went. But in they there would give you a thing. You had to turn into another thing. Well, well, no, they got they had a they got a certain amount of time to plan, and they would scribble it on the on the grease board. But didn't they come up and didn't they come up with you and they would say literally like, okay, here's like uh, 
Like, here's a huge vacuum cleaner and five trash cans. You must make this into a machine. Yeah, you I did. don't remember being a so, so MacGyver. I think I you had to build a lot of it yourself. Grab stuff. All right. Well, there in any of there were things you had. There were rules you had to follow. But yeah. I think they really ought to do a sort of Car Wars style TV show where literally cars are equipped with some sort of, not lethal obviously, but like an incapacitating weapon. Kind of like you those, know, uh, like non-lethal weapons, like they use on crowds, or like those dog fights you can do now. You can like rent and go on a plane, and you've got you've got like each plane. It's kind of like it's kind of sounds dumb. It's like laser tag, but with real planes. Yeah, they ought to do that with cars and film that, and so it's like a combination demolition derby, battle bots kind of a thing. Awesome. So I would be a big fan of that idea. Do it uh, like in the Salt Flats in Utah. Or totally, whatever. totally. Yeah, I'd yeah. be all over so, that. All right, I um, got a wire feeder. Let's go. So that so there's death race. Uh, anything else? Film people radio. Uh, well, the new episode is up. Scott Daly is out of town, so I am uh, sharing hosting duties with Court and Fatboy. All right. Have you seen Tropic Thunder? I have not seen it's it. It's my yet. last chance to talk about it today before Here's it becomes thing. officially starting, old hat. I'm starting to think the gods don't want me to see it because I had four attempts because they had four screeners when it was all added up. I had four attempts to go, and every time something from the outside force prevented me from going. So now I'm terrified of going into the theater to see it left. I'd be smited. All right. Well, in any event, it, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter. So it's, just, it's a thing that, uh, you know, we've, everybody sort of staked out their opinion on. And, yeah. But you were sort of the, you were going to be the, like, the la- you're like the last vote standing. Uh, because you're like the sort of, the, you know, Sarah hasn't seen it uh, and probably won't be able to. But if the people who are probably going to be able to see it in the near future, you were sort of like I'll the one and, remaining vote. I'll so. try and check it out because yeah. I think it's still playing. I mean, you know, it's still local. Like it, don't, whatever. Well, uh, so. Yeah, I, I honestly never got all that excited for it to begin with. Yeah, just uh, I would say manage your expectations, as okay. they say in the sales department. <laughs> Shall we take a break? All right, we take a break. We'll come back. Headlines from Timmy Ryan, and then we will count down the top five Guns N' Roses songs you don't hear on the radio, uh, as determined by the folks in Appetite for Deception, as well as a Sarah Dillon high concept topic. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Yeah. Rick Emerson Radio Program, 503-733-2970. In just a moment, we will uh, return to me, Ryan, to the airwaves. Very quickly, Dennis Pitsenbarg, before you go, the event happening tomorrow, Dominic's. Uh, tomorrow, Dominic's, the Miles Around Listener Party. You can find all the info you want at milesaround.com. Please go there and enter to win the go-kart. We are giving it away tomorrow. Three live bands, your only chance to see Tour de Force, uh, also Hot Rod Carl and Appetite for Deception for free. Lots of fun. Hope to see you all there, and thanks for letting me come on the Rick Emerson. All right, excellent. And sorry I missed the uh, soapbox derby. I wanted to go down and check it out. Oh, that's all right. Was, yeah, you missed uh, it last year, too. You missed her breaks going out. Huh? You missed the breaks going out. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Well, I was out racing in Madras. I actually did. I actually uh, started a race with the crowd that's going fast. So. All right, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Pitsenbarger. Yeah. All right. Bye, Dennis. Woo! Uh-huh. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, in in for the vacationing, Tim Riley. It is Timmy Ryan. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. You know, I'd like to find out what Tim Riley does when he goes on vacation. Uh, He floats in a saline-filled egg. I was thinking that, you know, he gets driven around in one of his many Bentleys or, you know, Rolls Royces and, like, polishes his platinum and gold collection. Seriously. Uh, And just uh, just sort of drives around. He does... Goes around in a smoking jacket. I was going to say wearing an ascot, and he probably does a sort of more high-class variation on your thing. I would imagine that Tim Riley's being driven around right now in some sort of a luxury vehicle, and every now and again, the back window, sort of Gordon Gecko style, lowers about an inch, 
And you just see his eyes sort of look out as he looks down on the rabble, and then he sort of narrows his eyes, squints, shakes his head, shakes and his head. the window goes back up and glides silently by. Or maybe he strolls through the park wearing a top hat and a cane. Good day, sir. And a, and a monocle. Here's Timmy <laughs> Ryan. Okay. Though American travel this Labor Day weekend is, is expected to hit a nine-year low, the AAA reports the steep drop in gasoline prices could entice more families to hit the road then dared on July 4th. You know, and here's how insane that is, that they're calling it a steep drop in gasoline prices, when, of course, it's only a relative drop, right? Sure. Because now it was just it was like a full-on raping, and now it's just sort of an unwanted groping. Yeah, and this time last year, $4 gas, you know, $4 gasoline would have been considered raping now since it's like, you know, three eighty-eight. Ooh, gasoline prices have dropped. Let's hit the road again. i got to tell you, there was a great article in the, in the Portland Tribune the other day where they were profiling people who still had SUVs and, like, wouldn't give them up. Uh, and, you know, like, yeah, seriously, there's some guy, some guy who still has a Hummer or whatever, and he's just like, I'm sticking to my guns. And it's like, it was just like, man, it was like douche alert, like to the nth degree. So, and they I were carry around a wallet that has a hole in it, but I'm sticking to it. They know this guy, this guy who drives this, drives this Hummer, he gets 11 miles to the gallon. Uh, they were also interviewing, and it's sort of like a schadenfreude kind of thing where it's sort of gratifying. They were interviewing this girl who has, I think it was a Hummer. I think that was the whole point of the article. It's people who have, who, who were driving those Humvees. She has a Hummer. She commutes from... This is so great. She has a Hummer, and she has to commute from Malala to Vancouver. Wow. She deserves it. And you're reading it, and you're kind of going, well, all right, then. Have have fun with that. All right, here's Timmy Ryan. Do you have enough money for, like, a big SUV or a Hummer? you have enough money for a hybrid? That's what I'm saying. Not yet. It, well, and it's kind of like, you know, everybody has a copy of my debit card, and they know my so, my security code, but I'm sticking to that card. I just, you know... Well, that's I, the, I want money to fall out of my bank account. And it just be, and at that point, they just sort of dig in, and it becomes like a pride thing. Like, no, I like paying this much. Yeah. Jerks. Yeah, according to uh, Mike Pena, he's from the uh, AAA, he says, gas prices seem to be giving people a bit of an impetus to drive again. Uh, there is belief here that gas over $4 a gallon has a psychological impact on consumers, but gas isn't $4 a gallon anymore. In fact... It's dipped down to 3.69 a gallon. That's nationwide average, down from a July 17th high of 4.11. Those are made-up conclusions. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Anyway, um, they say there's going to be, you know, at least somewhat less people on the road this year. All right. So whatever. Okay. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll uh, roll the top five. One more. Let's see. Do we want a U.S. Iraq story or Fire TV mm-hmm. news anchor admits he was email snooping story? I say we go for the latter. Yeah. Email snooping. Yes. All right. Here we go. A Fire TV newscaster admitted on Friday, that's today, he hacked into his co-anchor's email accounts, pleading guilty to one count of illegally accessing a computer. Larry Mendette admitted that he illegally viewed hundreds of Alicia Lane's emails from March 2006 to May 2008 at a time when leaked information about her personal life contributed to her downfall. Did he, oh, you know, speaking... Oh, never mind. There's just so much... You know, maybe she should have changed her um, her password... Once in a while. I was just going to, you know, have I mentioned lately we just need a much longer show? There's just it's so much stuff we're never going to get to. All I right. change my email password like every other month. Well, yeah, but you got, well, never mind. Uh, I'm not even going to start. Uh, all right, Sarah, shall we do your high concept topic or the top five? What would you like to do first? It's uh, dealer's choice today. I don't know. We have time for both. Well, let's, do your, do, you think we'll well, let's do your thing first. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are now going to do uh, Sarah Dillon's high concept topic every day Friday. And so, Sarah, how exactly do you want to phrase this? I don't know. I want uh, anyone who's been to New York, I want things that I should absolutely do because I'm going to be, like, 
Well, my sister's working during the week. I'm just going to be me in the city. All right. It is 503-733-2970. Today's High Concept Topic uh, for High Concept Friday. As she leaves for the great city of New York, what things should Sarah Dillon be doing, seeing, taking part in, participating in while she's in New York? It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. What should Sarah Dillon be doing, seeing, uh, going to, attending, whatever, while she's in New York? 503-733-2970. Uh, 2970. So uh, complete the trace. While she's in New York, Sarah really needs to blank. Aaron? You need to check out the Ghostbusters house. Oh, the firehouse. The firehouse. I've totally been there. Yeah, I've been there too. It's genius. And there's actually people, it's handily marked too because on the ground they have a whole whole thing drawn on the ground that has a big arrow and it says Ghostbusters. The last time I was in New York, they were taking down the set of Ghostbusters too. Yeah. So I saw them removing the sign and all that stuff. I got my picture taken, of course, like a tool in front of it, uh, you know, right where the Ecto 1 comes out. Yeah, you can see the Ghostbusters firehouse. Yeah, this bar that I really like going to and I'm there, Welcome to the Johnsons. It's right next to the, um, it's next sort of the cafe from uh, when Harry met Sally. Ah, cool. Uh, All right, so when Sarah is in New York, she really ought to blank. We'll get those in just a second. It's 503-733-2970. Here's uh, this guy, though, about SUVs. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going, Rick? What's up? Hey, just to let you know, some of us still drive SUVs, like myself. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's paid off, man. Well, I look, it doesn't matter to me. I, I Drive an SUV, don't drive an SUV. A guy driving a Hummer that gets 11 miles to the gallon, that's poor choosing is what that is. That's poor planning. Well, my Tahoe only gets nine. Wow, really? Cool. Yeah. I mean, why don't you just stay at home and set fire to your wallet, dude? I mean, well, look, I understand much, that, it, you know. How much is a hybrid? I'm sorry? How much is a hybrid? What do you mean, in terms of buying it? Yeah. Well, you know. It's not even like a hybrid, even just a smaller car. It's how not even a sedan. How, I, I how mean, much, you know, 20, 30 grand? Well, I suppose. I guess my whole thing is, here's what I, I'm not trying to pick a fight about it or whatever. I guess my deal is that people say, well, you know what? Driving an SUV now just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, like driving an SUV... Really, unless you're going to be hauling deer carcasses through the woods, just driving an SUV really never made sense. I mean... Well, it's, it's the modern-day station wagon, or it was. Well, I suppose. All right. And, you know, if I... I've, I've pen, trust me, I've penciled it out, and it's still cheaper to keep driving the damn SUV. I guess if your only choices are that or a brand-new hybrid, yes, but it seems like you're... That's yeah, a bit that of advice. That wasn't a use-specific thing. That's like if someone can afford, you know, a $50,000 Hummer, then they can afford a hybrid, not it, the normal working man. It was use-specific, sir. The radio is talking directly to you. Do whatever well, it says. Kill. The, the voices were calling. All right. Thank you, my friend. Hey, uh, if there really wants to get the flavor of New York, go down on the produce docks where I used to have to deliver. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you, you pretty go cool, there, like, actually. you do that Anthony Bourdain thing, go down there at 3 a.m. and see him doing that. All right. Yeah, Thank you. Um, come armed, though. Okay. Oh. All right. Bye now. Uh, hi, you're on the, what did he say? Come armed. Oh, yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, High Concept Friday. While Sarah Dillon's in New York, she should what? Well, Steve in the Coove, I think she should take pictures of the construction of the Freedom Tower. Is that? I thought it was. Yeah, I saw it last time. And it was just a, a. It was still a huge. Are they working on it now? I they thought it was still it? just a big hole. That I thought it was still just an part. idea. I didn't even know right. they were doing it now. No, they're. they're uh, I read in the paper just a couple of weeks ago that they're actually starting construction on the actual tower now. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Thank you, sir. You should Walk. check in the taping of Letterman. Yeah, you yeah, do that. Uh, the I Daily can't Show. See the Tyra Show. <laughs> you can see the Daily Show too, or the Tyra Show. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, well, Sarah Dillon's in New York. She should what? Hello. Hello. Hi. Well, yes, it is you. While Sarah Dillon's in New York, she should what, sir? Hey, Sarah, we just got back there. We went to a Yankee game, and uh, you got to go to a little place called the Dive Bar. It's just called the Dive Bar? It's called the Dive Bar, and they got, like, real beer there. It's not like the crap East Coast stuff that everybody else drinks. All right, here's a dumb question. Is it, in fact, a dive bar? 
it is exactly dive bar. All right, very cool. We do have rogue rogue ill there on tap. Cool. Uh, the dive bar. Where? What part of New York, sir? Uh, Upper Manhattan. All right, there you go. Thank you. All right, High Concept Friday. While Sarah Dillon's in New York, she should what? She has to go see the soup Nazi. Oh, yeah. You know, have you done the Seinfeld? You're a big Seinfeld no, fan. I done oh, yeah. Seinfeld. You can go see Monk's Diner, you know, and you can see the actual, no the, the real soup Nazi. You can see yeah, that, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and if you have a little side trip, got to go to the Dakota to see, uh, pay homage to John Lennon. I did that. I went to the Dakota. You can, it's kind of morbid, but you can go stand where John Lennon was assassinated right in front of the Dakota. It is, it is creepy. Kind of creepy, but it's cool. And it's right across the street from Strawberry Fields. Oh, know? that's true, too. So, all right. Thank you. Duh. I keep forgetting because you're you're turning into such a colossal Batman nerd. Mm-hmm. Go check out DC Comics. Oh yeah, sixteen hundred Broadway. I, even I went there. And I it have was, one. It's you step awesome. off the, when you yeah. step off the elevator at DC Comics, and you step out. Uh, when you get off the elevator and you step out into the hallway, it's dark, but it's painted as though you're standing on a Gotham rooftop. <gasps> it's bad. It is oh, righteous. I, so that's what I'm doing on Monday. <laughs> I went there because it's one floor down from Mad Magazine. Yeah. So, and which, and I also toured that. Anyway, so yeah, the DC Comics place is righteous. You got to okay. go there. Oh yeah, I, that uh, is that is 100. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. While she's in New York, Sarah Dillon should what? Uh, I don't know. Have fun. I didn't call about that. I was just going to call and say, you know what, Rick? SUVs and deer carcasses don't mix. It's a pickup truck. Please get it straight. I'm getting tired of you beating up on us hunters, all right? Don't make me go into my little southern drawl. You should hang up before he can retort. I don't even understand what the point of this is. Hang up now. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great weekend. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, What should Sarah do while she's in New York? There's a bookstore called Strand. <gasps> I've been there. I bought a yes. bunch of books at Strand. That place is fantastic. Where is it? Where is it? What is it? I don't even oh. remember where it's at. Where is it at? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. The main oh, thing that I wanted to say about being from Portland is they market it as being like this big, huge, gigantic, massive bookstore, and you go in there and it's like a sixteenth of the size of Powell's. Oh, no, it's minuscule compared yeah. to Powell's, but it's, oh, one totally. of the, but it's one of those great bookstores where it's just crammed. You know what I mean? Oh, those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those bookstores where it's the windy passages and it's just books piled everywhere. I love totally. That. And I've, it's shelved outside and of it's, books. I will say this, and it's because they're in New York where the publishing houses are, that bookstore, the Strand in, in, uh, Strand in New York, is, it's dirt cheap mm-hmm. because they get all kinds of remaindered books from the publishing houses. It is yeah. dirt cheap. All right, good call. Thank you. One more thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, damn you! I just thought of two more things. Oh, the fairer sex turns on try, try to check out FAO Schwartz, just because it's the world's biggest yeah. toy store. Yeah, there, and right. and try to get into the cash cab. That's, oh, do the no, that cash is, cab. That is my goal. I'm not... Oh, just I'm, stock Ben Burns. And then always go... I already go, talked to my sister. We're only taking cabs that are vans. And always yeah, yeah. go for the bonus question at the end. Yeah, Because the, the bonus question is always easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a video you, clip always. Yeah, totally. Plus, if you've gone to the end, you already got a free cab right out of it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. While Sarah Dillon's in New York, she should what? She should go to the green papaya and have a hot dog. I don't know if that's code for something or not. I don't know. All right. No, thanks. dude, it's better than Nathan's. It's better than Coney. It's better. Dude, go to the green papaya. Green papaya it? hot dog. Where's it at, sir? It's in Lower Manhattan. All right. Okay, thank cool. you. All yep. right. That narrows it down. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, what should Sarah do while she's in New York? Uh, I think she should fall in like the rest of true New Yorkers and shoot a cab driver. Maybe put that on your B list. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let me ask you a question, Sarah. I want you to be honest with me, just as uh, as colleagues and friends. Do I have time for the top five? Be honest. Yeah, if we move the if we move David Letterman, we will have time for the top five. Yes. All right. Uh, well, let's do one more. You cool with that? Mm-hmm. One more, and then we'll do that. Yeah, this is All a great right. list. One more final call. High concept. What should Sarah Dillon do while she's in New York? I actually didn't have a high concept. I just wanted to hear DOA Blood Rock. Uh, we played at the beginning of the program, sir. Do you listen to all four hours every day? Oh, I missed the beginning. Well, all right. Well, you know, hoist by your own petard, sir. Could you just play it again? No. 
Thank you. You'll have a, you'll have a chance next there Wednesday to play it for me. All right, yeah, we'll play it till the next time somebody flies. You really ought to be listening to all four hours. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five, five for uh, whatever the hell three, this is, Friday. Two, one, fire. Wow. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Wow, wow. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, Timmy Ryan counting down this top five. 315 Bowery Street. That's where you should go. Uh, okay. For CBGBs. Oh, yeah, it's now on Joey Ramone Place. Yes. Yeah. But, you know. Right. Okay. And on a day already chock full of guns and roses discussion, we dive into the deep by trying to assess those musical gems that might have gone unnoticed. And who better to create such a list than the fine young fellows in Appetite for Deception, the world's premier Guns N' Roses tribute band. We asked them to create an overview of these, the top five Guns N' Roses songs you probably won't hear on the radio. These are the top five Guns N' Roses songs you're not going to hear on the radio as compiled by Appetite for Deception. Honorable mention, great choice. Get in the ring. Get in the ring from Use Your Illusion 2. So, here's the interesting thing about this. Um, Why does it sound so weird? Because Axl Rose is crazy. This is the moment when Axl Rose went crazy. This is the instant where you went and you said, okay, because listen to this. He spends the entire song now railing against his specific enemies by name. That goes for all you punks in the press that want to start by printing lies instead of the things we said. That means you and you said you're a hit parader. Circus Magazine, Mick Wall and Kerrang, Bob Guzioni Jr. And spend what you pissed off because your dad gets more than you. So there you go. So, you know, when you look back and you say, when did Axl Rose really lose all grip on reality? That was the moment right there when he devoted five minutes of album time to listing specific people that he wanted to, quote, beat the asses of in a boxing ring. Wow. So there you go. Uh, Timmy Ryan. Number five, Reckless Life. <laughs> I mean, really, after that, nothing can... Uh, this is the opening track uh, from uh, GNR Lies, a fake live album, by the way. Uh, recorded in studio, fake applause put underneath it. A fake indie album uh, put out by Geffen Records to drum up excitement for Appetite for Destruction. Uh, so anybody who thinks this is live, not so much. That applause sounds fake. It is. It's a complete... You listen yeah. to it now and you realize, like, why was I ever fooled by this? But Geffen Records wanted to create buzz, so they created a fake indie label called Uzi Suicide, and they recorded these tracks in a warehouse, put fake applause underneath them, and then released it. And you'll meet people that are like, no, dude, I was there when they recorded it. It was a righteous night. And, you know, it's, it's an utterly fictitious live record. Still good, but fictitious. Now, we counted out top five Guns N' Roses songs you're not going to hear on the radio. And right, right next door to hell. This is uh, Use Your Illusion 1. I dig this song. It's a great song. Yeah. It sounds like you're right next door to hell. 
This song was written about a neighbor of his. This song, we don't have time to play it. This song does contain the loudest screamed F-U in the history of music. It goes on for like 20 seconds. Where it's just like one long, like, he just screeches the F-U just forever. I used to play this song on repeat when I got dumped on my first high school hard bob. <laughs> you guys sound so tight here, too. This is when they were like their epitome, in my opinion. Great song. Kind of a top five Guns N' Roses songs you will likely not hear on the radio. I think I have heard this on the radio, actually. You're maybe. crazy. Yeah, this is, well, it's not my list. It's Appetite for Deception. Maybe, we, you know, we might say that maybe underplayed, underrepresented. You know, it's not like Paradise City, which is probably on right now. On KUFO, when we do, you know, three in a row from whoever, I, I believe this has been played. It's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. This was originally written in acoustic form. The version on GNR Lies, the acoustic version, is actually the original version. When they were recording Appetite, uh, they needed one more song. Uh, Mike Klink is like, you need one more song. And they're like, well, let's just take that your crazy song and add electric guitars to it. Yeah, what a great album. I was telling Chris Paddock, you know, you can sort of tell what albums hold up, and I mean this truly. Uh, when you go to Hot Topic and you see what albums from back then are still stocked, uh, and Appetite for Destruction is the only Guns N' Roses record they stock at Hot Topic. Because you know what? They, they know that every year there's a new group of uh, angry, irritated 15-year-olds that want something to listen to. And they walk in there, and what do they want? They want this. And it's right between My Chemical Romance and My Dying Bride or whatever. Every time I hear these songs, though, it makes me sad just to know what Axel and the band has become. All right, counting down the top five Guns N' Roses songs you will likely not hear on the radio. Come on, number two. This song is almost pointless to play because it's 11 and a half minutes long, and it's in five different movements. You know, it's like one of those operettas that he was writing. It's a brilliant song, uh, but um, you, know, you can't even get any sense uh, of it from playing this little segment here. This is really one of the, Coma, I would say, is one of the best sets of lyrics he ever wrote. There's not too many radio stations that will play an 11-minute song. Right. I mean, Tool's longest is like nine minutes. You know, here's the thing is, Appetite for Deception actually plays this. They play this and they play, uh, they play, uh, um, Civil War. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. It's like a Queen tribute band playing off Bohemian Rhapsody. I gotta tell you, I can't tell you how good Appetite for Deception is. They are fantastic. They're really, really good. Those guys can freaking Tour play. The Force is opening up for them. That's uh, a rumor. Uh, yes. <laughs> Counted on the top five Guns N' Roses songs you will likely not hear on the radio. Timmy Ryan. <laughs> Number one, double talk and jive. We'll play this in the break. It's real short. Uh, let me just say that, uh, as I was saying to Mark Cantor on uh, whatever, Tuesday, Wednesday, without them, uh, Izzy Stradlin was sort of the, the secret weapon in Guns N' Roses. Wrote all, I mean, people think you hear a song like Patience and you assume Axel wrote it. And he didn't. Izzy Stradlin wrote that entire song, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Uh, most of the Guns N' Roses songs that are classics have Izzy Stradlin's fingerprints all over them. And he wrote really some of their some of their hidden gems as well. This is a great song uh, written by and actually sung by Izzy Stradlin uh, from Use Your Illusion 1. This is Double Talk and Jive. Back after this.
We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, don't forget, uh, Car and Driver Radio tomorrow, 6 to 9, miles around, 9 to 11. Uh, and then uh, the Miles Around Listener event happens at Dominic's tomorrow. Do you know what time it starts? He just said it now. Uh, two. I think he actually, two. everyone's going to start showing up at about 2. And then Van Nip, uh, Tour de Force plays when? About 5.30 when the Rose City Rollers get there. What All were right. you saying about them during the break, Timmy? I'm saying I'm a huge admirer of them. That's not what you said. Appetite for Deception playing around 9.30, and, uh, of course, Dennis is going to be there all day, so uh, go down to Dominic's tomorrow for the Miles Around Listener event. Uh, Musicology this Sunday, 7 to yeah. 9. Timmy Ryan, Kristen Bowie, what's on tap for this Sunday uh, show? We're going to have Quarter Flesh. Live really? A quarter Flesh. Marvin and Randy Ross are coming in, yeah. Good for you. You know, they're getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall, the Oregon Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep, I know about that. They have a new uh, they have a new CD out called Goodbye Uncle Buzz, which you can get from CD Baby, which is kind of a departure from their normal stuff, and it's pretty good. Uh, they're going to be in here rapping about that, and... Uh, well, we got all kinds of fun stuff. Excellent. Yes, and if you're a band who wants to, like, pimp themselves shamelessly, like, you know, you have a show coming up, you have a CD out, you just want to, like, mention your MySpace or your webpage, uh, or you have some kind of comment or concern about music, phone lines are always open. You can call and uh, pimp, promote, and bitch all you want. Excellent. So that is uh, Musicology with Timmy Ryan and Kristen Bowie uh, coming up this Sunday and every Sunday, 7 to 9. Film Fever Radio, Geek in the City. Yes. Film Fever Radio, the new episode is up, and this weekend we are recording, sadly, the Batman and Robin commentary. That's <laughs> going to be two hours of pain for and me. And yeah, they're doing why it. would the torture Aaron episode. All right. Well, That's okay. why they're doing it. All right. Uh, let's see. And then we didn't get a chance to talk about We'll talk about the rename 42nd maybe uh, next time. Yeah, maybe it's going very week? well. Okay. I've a uh, little hint. We've already got a business that's willing to fork up almost all of the money. Very, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we might actually get you on the phone next week to talk about okay. that then. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Do we have time to take any calls here? Oh, I'm sure we have time for one. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You may be the last call of the week. Don't suck. Well, I'm not going to suck. Uh Sarah, when you go to New York, my ba- my cousin's band is playing Saturday night, and I don't remember where it's at, but his, his website is timblaine.com. Tim Blaine. Tim Blaine. Okay, cool. All right. All and right. he's, I hate to say it, he's kind of a John Mayer kind of guy, but he's really good live. Okay, cool. Thank Thanks you, sir. Advice. You bet. Thanks. All right. Is that it? Are we done? Let's do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I lied. You are the last call of the week. Please do not suck or I'll just rend my garments all weekend long. <laughs> yes, it's you. Yes, it's you. Hello, you're on the radio. Oh, I was just going to tell Sarah, um, Little Pie Shop and Hell's Kitchen. The sour cream, apple, walnut pie. Awesome. <gasps> what are my choices What's for the... pie? Uh, no, the sour cream, walnut, apple pie. That is the only choice. It's called the Little Pie Shop? Little Pie Shop, oh. Hell's Kitchen. All right, excellent. Okay, Thank you. All right. Also, yeah. go yep. check out the Dolphin. That's the, the hotel where 1408 takes place. That's where Stephen King was really? inspired for, like, all his horror stuff. Very okay. cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, so uh, travel safe and uh, have a good time. I'm sure I'll we'll talk you to you. Yeah, I'll yeah. call you next week. All right, Tim Riley returns on Monday. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day, every day by the lovely and talented Tarek Stillen for AM970 The Talker. The newsroom today, Timmy Ryan. And for Tim Riley, who returns Monday, on the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds. We want to thank uh, Lisa Desjardins uh, today, as well as Weird Al Yankovic. Don't forget to see him Monday night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, have a good weekend. Like us next. Uh, Be safe. Bye now. This joke copyrighted 2008 Rick Emerson Show.